We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fellas, listen up. All you ever ask for is an opportunity. You got it today. Where else would you rather be than right here, right now? The Rock Pile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. Be aggressive. You have literally nothing to lose. You're a borderline football team. If I don't keep laughing about this stuff, my teeth are going to turn around and devour my brain. The Bills make me want to wrong about most of the things I think about the NFL draft, and I pray to God that this is another one of those moments, because I hate this pick, and I'll tell you why I hate it. It's not so much that I hate the player. He's not the most athletic guy in the world. I literally just got done running down all of the things that he's not good at as an athlete. He's not good. He's not explosive in terms of athletic ability. He's not fast. He's, he's not the strongest guy in the room. There's nothing that he does at a high level. And yet you made him your you made him your second round draft pick. I am your host, Bill Season Tickler Drew here. That's my producer. And that was me. That's right, me, yours truly, on Friday night. Excerpts from our live broadcast during the draft with Rock Sports Network and hashtag sports. We are here with you tonight for our annual NFL Draft Review, Draft Recap, if you will. And for three years running now, we have a special guest in studio. Purveyor of Cleveland Browns Hot Take. The Cleveland Browns roster is better than the Buffalo Bills, and they will have more wins than the Bills in 2017. The Browns are going to win the division and make the playoffs. Host of Sports Talk Saturday on WGR Sports Radio, Nate. So did you at least like Cleveland's draft? I did. <laughs> of course you they did. Because they took a tackle. <laughs> oh, of course you did. I did. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, we have Mr. Nate Geary in studio with us. We are socially distancing. We are socially distancing. He is the host of WGR 550 Sports Talk Saturday. He is a consistent Cleveland Browns and Baker Mayfield stan. And he's become something of an internet warrior on behalf of golf everywhere. That's right. Talk to me about this, Goose. Talk to me. What is it about golf? It's all I got. (laughs) (laughs) It's all I got. Fucking God, I yeah, you just came from the golf course. I did. I did. <clears throat> and you did ha- how good? 
I, I did very well today, actually. Um, what did you shoot? I shot an 81. All right. All right. Pretty good. Pretty good. Listen, you're talking to a guy who shoots about, uh, I think if we were actually keeping score, I'd come in around 14, 15 a hole. So... <laughs> Give or take 150 or more. Give or take the ones I hit into the woods and just say, Mark at 12, let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah, you know, it just, it's just what I got. It's fun. It gets me out of the house. It gets me going. Um, you know, listen, I mean, I'm, I've been an athlete my whole life, so now I'm... Uh, <laughs> hey, I've hey, got nothing been, else. When you say you've been an athlete your whole life, is it an athlete like my host, Chris, here, who people who go to producer. our... If, producer Chris, if you go to our Twitter feed right now, at Rockpile Report, you can see a video of Chris attempting to do more than 12 push-ups. Someone I want to point out that there is nothing, there is no athletic ability in the ability to do push-ups. <laughs> I'm not sure that I could get to 12. <laughs> and, and, I, and I would call myself, at one point in my life, a good athlete. No longer. So a review of your timeline shows that you've been doing an awful lot of talking about golf. And mm. just the new restrictions, the new realities of things. Right. As we enter week six of the quarantine. So, your week six, New York State quarantine, you got out and played golf today. Is yeah. this the first time? Oh, God, no. When, when, when was the first? Ab uh, during the quarantine was yes. the first time? I, I mean, there, I've been golfing since mid-March. Okay, have you Whenever been... I can, I'm, I'm golfing. If there's two days of dry... Consecutive dry, I'll I'll be out golfing. Now, for you, have you you've been working from home? Mm -hmm. Okay, what's it like? Is your significant other working from home? She is. Okay, We're both working from home. Yep. So you can share my experience working from home with your significant other. What's that been like for you? Um, <laughs> she probably appreciates it less than me because I'm on a lot of sales calls a lot and I'm loud as hell. Uh, and she's on a lot of like zoom calls and stuff. She works at rich products. So she like, you know, is constantly on design calls, constantly on this and that. Um, but the good thing about the layout of our apartment is that she's actually upstairs in the loft. She has her own office up there and I'm actually have converted our kitchen into my office space. Mm -hmm. um, so for the most part, we are separated. We don't see each other for much of the day in our own place, which, you know, is actually nice to just kind of, mm -hmm. I hear her, I know she's <clears> working up there, but we aren't really, you know, we're, we're staying away from each other so that we don't kill each other because we're just around each other every moment. We're on, when you do these sales calls, are you using radio voice? You know, that's a funny question. Um, I usually, Chris, that's a, it's, it's a funny question because the funny thing is, is I usually have to preface early in the conversation and say something like, I apologize for speaking very quickly and sorry if I sound like Casey Kasem because I, uh, I have a second job in radio and, you know, and they were like, you know what? I, I have never told somebody that I work in radio and them not say, that makes a lot of sense. See, now what's funny my wife and I, we, I just kind of recon, I, we, I constructed an office, like an actual office mm -hmm. in my house. And I tried to offer it to my wife because it's upstairs, it's warmer than doing it downstairs in our basement because it's a split level house. Mm -hmm. And she tried it for a week. And I feel terrible, but she's so pregnant that when she sits in the chair, she can't reach the keyboard. <laughs> the chair to the desk. That's tough. I listen. I'll never pretend to know what it's like to be 
full on pregnant. Oh god, as uh, as Rex Ryan would say, um, <laughs> fully pregnant, fully pregnant. But, My wife uh, is fully pregnant. She's fully. How how long now? Uh we're six weeks away. Oh wow. Yeah. So that is full on pregnant. And I'll yeah. tell you this: it's been. I I've never. I'm not, Chris Chris knows. I'm not a man with. Have, wait wait. I'm sorry. Do we have the gender yet or no? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, it's a oh. boy. Oh, it's a boy. Oh, Jesus yeah. Christ. Jack. <laughs> Jack Gear. I'm not a man who feels bad for anybody. I'm not a man who, generally speaking, feels bad or has a whole lot of empathy or sympathy for yeah, people. Yeah, and let me tell you, you got a lot coming back towards you, brother. That, but my I, wife, I, she is a saint. Just watching her <laughs> everything that she I, does. You better hope that that kid looks like 100% her. her. Oh, yeah. I said, I hope it takes after you. Yeah. The only thing I want, I, I'd like to, have give, like to give my son... Your long arms would be my ridiculous wingspan, reach. your my re- reach, my reach, and the ability to t- the the ability to take a punch or two. Mm. Just the the ability to fall down a flight of stairs. I've never broken a bone in my entire body, and I'll wow. tell you this: I've been through the ringer. So I've, I've broken some, bones, but I'm durability. right there with you. There, I I agree with you that a strong chin <laughs> is really it, it is a lost art in today's it's, world. It's one of those things where. I mean, if especially let me tell you, I I don't want to say this to you and make it sound mean because I also want to tell you that I'm in your camp. Is we both have incredibly punchable faces. Not as oh yeah, as Chris. No, Chris are we're like second tier. The hair, it's the hair. It's It's 100 percent the hair hair that that makes him very punchable. He's closer to the uh, the Dan Snyder end of the spectrum than we are, but we're still on that spectrum. Yes, yes, but. Ultimately, what's that phrase? If you're going to be stupid, you got to be tough. Mm-hmm. I just hope that he gets her smarts and looks, and he takes that from me. Just That's like a it. just like a steel jaw, <laughs> a couple of steel plate face <sighs> bones, and yeah, you know. Here's here's the thing. I I know that this is true because my cousins are pieces of shit, and I know for <laughs> certain that. If they're the only reason that I believe in God, and I'm not going to turn this into a, a religious pep talk because I don't, I'm not particularly religious, and I don't really believe in any particular God. But I, there has to be something because the payback that my cousins are getting for years of torturing women, for years of being just pieces of shit, are being returned the favor with multiple little girls. And you know what? Like those little girls are going to turn into beautiful women. And they are going to ruin him. So does that mean so, that because I was just – because my brothers and I were just mayhem for my parents. Does that mean my son is going to – because – Yes. Don't, don't put that evil on my wife. No, 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 no. Oh, I, it, she's going to – It's gonna, a boy. It's a gonna, boy. You're going to be good. You're going to be good. Pick like, with you. This is the era where holy hell would I just I, – I would be – if I had a little girl running around, I would be – Hey. Yeah, I always hey. I always thought you that. You out, brother. I always thought that because I, I once – Dated, I once dated a girl, and I uh, after we broke up, like six years after, I banged her sister. So from that point on, it was like, if I ever have kids, I'm having a girl. I just know it. <laughs> yeah, know it. yeah, you bang sister. That's... The, the good news is, is, Chris, you'll never have to worry about that. You're still single at 36. You're never going to have to worry about kids. Yeah, I'm not 36 yet. A couple months. <laughs> don't, don't be a dick, Drew. Don't be a dick. Otherwise, yeah. Speaking, it could come back on you. So, with all of that said, it's been a rough quarantine, but we're all making the best of it, and we're all here tonight to recap the NFL draft. Now, first of all, I want to say huge shout out to Hashtag Nation. Even those of you who spent the entirety of our life. Mario, li- or we surely want to shout out Mario. Even <laughs> Mario and the people who spent the entire broadcast heckling me in the comments for tuning into our draft night live streams both Thursday and Friday. I mean, it was tough not being able to get together and do the show in person 
at the casino at 34 Rush like we always do. But Mario's visual work with the broadcast was so good that, I mean, it was just, Chris. That's what you get for being a high school teacher. It was know? incredible. Yeah. Not only that, but Chris built one of the most disgusting setups I've ever seen. I'm talking three different computer monitors at my disposal with Chris Googling things like Jamie from the Joe Rogan podcast broadcast to one of my flat screen TVs so I could see statistics and research in real time. Chris, you are one of the best producers I've ever, I've ever been around. And some of the Probably people because should I'm the be, old, I'm the only, only producer, <laughs> but people should be <laughs> jealous of the, uh, the fact that I have you at my disposal and you on my team. Yeah, this would not be a legitimate podcast if I wasn't a part of it. Nothing you, that we do you, would be legitimate if it was ever You trying to spit out your ideas and probably sounding like it was on like a cell phone or horrible quality. I mean, that's, how was how was the draft night for you, Chris? You're, it was fun. I just sit there and it's the same thing I do here. I sit here, I sat there, I listened. Two was brought up, two was college stats. Put it right on the big screen behind me so that you can see. It. I wish that my producers. I hope Derek yeah. Kramer isn't listening to this. But hey, hey, fucking I wish right. My producers yeah. were great. The, and that's my point. And then I, you know, I think I'm, by night two, I started uh, implementing some of the uh, the RAS scores relative. Oh athletic yeah, scores. You had, he was pulling up relative athletic scores. I'll say this about these guys were getting drafted. I'll say this about myself with the draft. How did your show go? It went fine. It went good. Uh, we went five hours, um, and then Joe continued on till eight o'clock. Fuck. This is the thing that, that every year surprises me is, of course, I put the time in, so I guess it shouldn't surprise me. Um, but when it comes to me, listen, like, you know, there are guys at the station, Brayton Wilson uh, and Jody DiBiase, they do the NHL draft. And holy shit, like, I just, I, you, you'll lose me after the sixth pick. But there's just this weird area of my brain that is specially formatted for the draft. And I don't know where I will have had the read the prospect information about this guy or that guy or another you retain guy. it, dude. I, I it is the craziest thing to me, and I re- I realized that halfway through the broadcast on day three. So you're either Rain Man or the Schwab, depending on how you want to look at it. When when uh, so who would have been their fourth round pick? Would have been why can't I not remember? Gabriel Davis. Yes, Gabe Davis. Right. So Gabe Davis is the pick, and a, a few picks before. I was talking about this player, and I and, and he was a small school player. I, I can't remember who it was, but I literally was like pulling. Oh yeah, uh, he's twenty two years old. He's from Florida. Ran a four eight at the combine, and, and I'm thinking to myself, and I'm actually just kind of saying to myself, like, how the fuck did I know that? Like, how did? Here's the thing, though. I, it goes back to younger days, and me and my little cousin. Uh, I shouldn't say little. I mean, we're pretty much the same age, but we grew up making magazines handwritten magazines of fantasy football and draft football where we would make hundred pages of handwritten draft notage. Right? <coughs> Since super big nerd. And listen, you 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 laugh, but my <laughs> girlfriend, she does not laugh. She literally is like, you are a nerd. Uh, you are. And I'm like, I know it's weird, but like, I do surprise myself. I surprised myself this year. I did last year that when I'm in the sixth round, people ask me all the time, like, you still remember how stuff. do you you've got talk some recall about it. yes how do you you've got recall how are you talking about guys that most of the common fan don't know and it, it's you know it just it's years of just kind of preparing but listen i mean from the second the bill season ends until the first round of the draft i am cramming for an exam well there it so, is you know what i mean you're just you're cramming for an exam 
Well, I'm happy your broadcast went well. Our broadcast went really well. You know who's didn't? And before we can properly diagnose the Bills draft class, I feel like we have to talk about this. The NFL draft broadcast by ESPN and NFL Network. Mm -hmm. The first ever virtual draft. I think we need to just talk about this for a second. In my opinion, colossal failure. The NFL draft? Monumental failure from a broadcast standpoint. Let, let me, I, I'm going to touch on something that you just alluded to. You want to talk about recall. You want to talk about knowing things about players. Okay? You, you want to talk about a, a professional network whose job is to dredge up things that you can talk oh, about. I know. I know Do you know tragedy. how hard it is to find something to talk about? But this is my point. You are a professional network. This is the reason you exist. The broadcast itself was horrible from a standpoint of, like, listen, I've never seen it. It was play. awkward. It, they, you could tell yeah. by halfway through that they were hurting badly for a crowd. Oh, or see, a green room. See, I assumed or something to, something they could talk about. I assumed you were going to the fact that they were like throwing out these odd. That's ends. exactly okay, it. Okay. Okay. So they put in the most cursory effort ever yeah. to pull up information. That Mother is a, used to be addicted to crack, and now she's clean. <laughs> yeah. They pulled up some of the most <laughs> irrelevant shit about these players, to, Chris, to the point where borderline absurd. I mean. What was the example you texted me? Trey Wingo. He's like, oh, the guy was a former team. Yeah, Trey Wingo. Was, this guy's all oh, man, this guy, great prospect. His parents died in a fire. Runs a 4-2-6. <laughs> I mean, look at it. Look, here's just some of the wildly contextless stuff that got dredged up during the broadcast about some of these prospects. T. Higgins. Did we need to know that his mom fought drug addiction for 16 years? It's better that I know now, though. Okay. But did we need it as just a simple bullet point on a graphic? With his name slapped on it. They didn't even talk about it. They were just like, oh yeah, by the way, his mom was a drug addict. Crack. LaVisca yeah. Chenault. We found out that his hobbies are video games, Sudoku, and then his mother survived the West Nile virus in 2012. Because that fucking matters. Jordan Love. The dude just gets drafted. Here you are trying to celebrate the guy's day. The guy is there with his family and everybody's hugging and everything's... And instead, what you're subjected to is a long-winded explanation about how his dad killed himself and blood pressure medication might have been the root cause. On now we know. Planet, we know now. On what planet does any... Thanks, Debbie Downer. I'm I'm already quarantined. I'm trying not to drink myself. Listen, during the draft, I would like to know if my heart medication might be the reason I'm dying. I'm trying not to depression drink hard enough over here, and now you're going to you're gonna lay that shit on me? I mean, again, Chris, they were so desperate for filler content... And yet, I mean, Chris, they threw All anything. they had to do is call the Rock Power Report. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, it makes me feel better about the work that we do here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here's the thing. I, I, I'll give them credit because it was in extraordinary circumstances. I was surprised. Here's what I was assuming was going to happen. Someone somewhere, hacker somewhere, was going to try to hack this. This was the Super Bowl for hackers. <laughs> and not one of them had the like, took the opportunity to put, like, big dicks on the screen. Well, but think, think about or this. Or anything. They almost didn't have to. I mean, let, let's talk about some of the visual things. You want to talk about things being hacked and what we saw on TV? First of all, Roger Goodell and his war... I kept a list. I'm not kidding you. Roger this Goodell is, was shit this is what a This is what a petty human being I am. Throughout the course of the night, not only am I on this live stream talking to the guys on the show, but I'm keeping a running list next to me of everything I see on TV that I can make fun of. Because this broadcast sucked. 
You've got Roger Goodell and his random wardrobe changes. Okay. okay? Hang on. One minute he has a full suit on. That's how he starts round one. Halfway through, now he's wearing a sweater. A few commercial breaks later, he's wearing a sweater over his button down with the suit coat over the sweater. Chris, is Roger Goodell that old that he can't figure out how to gotta be warm? Like Chris, inside I can't of his believe, own home, he's I cold. can't believe that's what you picked out from, from Roger Goodell's house. Chris, well, there's other things that... No, think about this. Chris never turns his heat on. No. Chris is a miser. His heat never goes above 58 in the winter. No, I, never, I do not turn my heat on. Okay. That's fair. I'm, I feel similar to you. We have to, you. You have to wear a parka to sit here in studio with us all winter long. Can't confirm. I understand if you wanted to put an extra layer or two on to do it. But this dude is inside of his own home and he's a multi-millionaire. See, that's where you're wrong. Can he not afford to just crank the heat? This is where you're wrong. It was a staged... <laughs> you cannot tell me that the that commissioner is this of the richest league in the world has wood paneling in his basement. <laughs> Not a shot. He was trying to play the symbolic card by saying, I'm like you people. I've got a very normal basement. Give me a fucking break. It's got, it's got glass. There are... There are stripper poles down in his real basement. Hang There's on. no way that that was his basement. So are you saying they faked his basement like they faked the moon they landing? Found, they found <laughs> a nice, modest home for him to broadcast from. That was my theory. There is, that was a state that was not his home. No way is the commissioner of the richest single business in the whole world. Well, some of these, I'll tell you this. Oh, well, I was trying to find in his shot on the, on the bookshelf uh, the Flategate tapes. I was hoping they would be on the shelf or a deflated or, football. Or like a picture of Tom Brady or something. something exactly. Cool. So you want to talk about how the set was the sh- uh, the set was the problem here with what was going on? Yeah. There were more people who should have been for shooting from a stage sh- uh, set like that. People in the background of a lot of these things at the coaches and GM's home. Yeah, Brable. Pro- oh, yeah. And the prospects – Problematic to say the least. Well, because we saw his, his son taking a shit. Otherwise, I and, mean, and listen, listen, listen. I I analyze that photo like the Zapruder film. Okay, he says it's not what it looks like, which to me, right there, that quote. I is, saw his pants and his ankles. What do you mean it wasn't what it looks it like? It sounds like the Wizard of Oz when he's like, "Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain." He's in that classic knees together, cell phone directly in front of him, pooping pose. Like that's what he's doing. I'm sorry, you can't convince me otherwise. You've got what? Uh, who who was the player who got uh, got drafted and then was, Lamb and was trying to take the cell phone away from his girlfriend? Yeah, CD Lamb. His girlfriend thinks he's distracted and picks up his phone. And oh, even, I love that. Even yes. in even in his moment where he should be focused on nothing other than being an NFL player, he looks over and goes, "Absolutely not! You're not looking through my phone." <laughs> the best was at Eason's house. Oh, where his brother. And some woman just come walking out, putting their clothes on and fixing their hair. Yeah. And it's like, okay, yeah. that doesn't look You guys suspect. totally banged. Yeah. How about the, the Titans offensive lineman, uh, Isaiah Wilson? He gets yeah. drafted, and his girlfriend comes and sits on his lap, and his, and his mother mom just, just rips her off. manhandles this woman <laughs> off screen. Hysterical. And then Chase Young. For Chase Young, it wasn't even about the people. It was about the product. First of all, product placement during this was ridiculous. I mean, you knew kids were going to do it. It yeah. was a little over the top this year. I mean, you had a kid wearing the Old Spice robe. You had It was a little Henry much. Ruggs, yeah. But here's the thing. Chase Young, 
It's not the people. It's the fact that there's Pizza Hut just casually laid out on his table. Chris, he had better have been getting a check for that because I swear to God. Chris, if you're the type of person who on the one of the biggest nights of your entire life, you want to celebrate with Pizza Hut willingly, then guess what? I don't know if I want you. I, I don't think you're committed to excellence. And I don't think that I, I want you on my football team. Committed to excellence. Committed to excellence. You've become the Mark Smith of the NFL. The only thing you needed was a case of Schmidt to wash it all down. Uh, we, we are, this is a Moosehead helmet. Yeah. This is yeah. a Moosehead helmet. All Moosehead. All this the time. All yeah. Duh. Honestly, guys, so this is the first time I've been back here since um, I've, I've loosened the uh, restrictions on my diet. And I just, I can't tell you how much I've missed beer in general. Like, this is, this is this, I had a couple of black nights on my Zoom room for six. This is my, my eighth beer of the year. Look at you. Wow. Of the year. Well played. We man. are, we are approaching May. What do you want, a Jesus? cookie? This is impressive. Drink up. Drew's going to have eight tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and then, before I stop beating this horse, because there's, there's still yeah, some. Yeah, let, let, let me do some selling. Uh, yeah, That's what I'm here. I'm here to sell you on. On the, on the but before so. I'm done beating his horse, there's some meat left on this bone because, again, I'm a petty motherfucker. The GMs. Okay? One of the most absurd ideas in the world was to put these GMs, quote-unquote, in their homes from their, quote-unquote, war room. It's a hilariously bad idea. And some of these guys, it, some people, didn't matter. It went by completely unnoticed. There was no ripples. There was no one pooping. But no then poop. some of these people were... It's ridiculous. First of all, Jerry Jones not only looks like he's drafting from a spaceship. Because he is! But the lack of technology around him in the room and the fact that someone has to lean in after they hand him a cell phone, they then have to lean back into the shot to help him dial it. Who's actually... There, why, no, be on, why, why be hard? <laughs> let your you, fucking kid, Stephen let, Jones, do stop it. Stop trotting this old... Stop trotting this cadaver out here in front of me. Cadaver. It's literally week. It's literally weekend at Jerry's. That's what they're doing. They're like, oh look, Jerry Jones is still oh, running the show. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's pretty much dead. Meanwhile, Bruce Arians kicked back like in his chair, like an everyday Joe, drafting on a single laptop from a table with a doily on it that I swear I'm to God that. came from my grandmother's I'm house. Okay, even dude, even with all of his Kangol hats and cigars, the dude is still an old man. That proved it right there. That tablecloth. There's been a million jokes made about uh, Cliff Kingsbury's home and a million stories that have come out about, oh my God, look at his house. This looks like a, it looks like a place a James Bond villain would live. For as many people who thought that Cliff Kingsbury's house was a little bit much, you know, with the concrete and sod grid pattern in the backyard and the big floor-to-ceiling windows, Chris, I don't give a fuck about his house. The most unsettling part about it to me was how tight his entire outfit was. Okay? He's wearing pointed-toed dress shoes inside the house. First of all, what kind of an asshole does that? Second of all, he's got his foot up in one of the photos on the coffee table, and his pants have ridden up to almost the middle of his shin. Where is the flood? I don't understand. And then... You can see from the way that he's sitting on the couch in one of the photos, he's not wearing an undershirt because a few of his buttons are literally just holding on for dear life. Cliff Kingsbury is a, a relatively thin 
kind of a trim man, much guy's, like yourself. This guy's now. got a hog. M- much like yourself, he is a relatively thick man. So with that said, what the fuck, Chris? Why is your shirt so tight? I think he's been taking his fashion cues from you. I'm surprised he, that you didn't say anything about the fire that was going on outside. You're in, Ari- in Arizona. You're in Arizona. Why is there a fire in your yard? Because that's what that that's called a flex. You, you're going to try to flex with a fire in your yard, but your clothes are literally saran wrapped onto you. You're okay. a millionaire. Okay. Buy a bigger shirt. Just buy a shirt that fits, asshole. And then, by comparison, you, I think we could agree, if there was any coach in the NFL that you think, like any coach that you would realistically believe was a rich villain trying to form their own shadow government, it would be Bill Belichick, not Cliff Kingsbury. But... And at the same time, you look at his broad, you look at his quote unquote war room, it almost made me feel bad for him. Like the table he's sitting on that looks like a backgammon table, you can tell that, that you, that's a table you don't purchase until you hit 65. You don't buy that table. I think, you, I think the government sends you that table when you qualify for Social Security. <laughs> he's just walking around his den alone. No wife, no kids, no one to be found. He's wearing jeans and an old hoodie, tossing a football to himself while wandering the room and talking to himself. And could Bill Belichick's war room get any more depressing? I, I personally appreciated the dog treats in the laptop. Where I don't know where in the laptop he kept the, the treats for his dog, but like he like moved the screen down and all of a sudden a treat became available. I don't know how he does that. The dog gets in the chair and literally it was the only thing about his entire like involvement in this broad- broadcast that didn't make me just feel bad. Like I feel like the room that he was drafting from is the place where you sit and you have a, a drink by yourself before you, I don't know, before you get in your car and drive it off a cliff. Have you ever seen Belichick's son? He looks like Joe Dirt. Oh, yeah. So they like are Dirt. very familiar with being lonely. <laughs> Here's what I know, folks. All pettiness aside, despite posting record numbers, it hits a new low, I think, for me in terms of ESPN's broadcast. And just the two nights. Can I say this, though? That it was really great. I don't like NFL Network's broadcast. And I think there are things about ESPN's broadcast that could be better. The thing that I actually very much liked is that Daniel Jeremiah was a part of the ESPN broadcast because I am a I'm just a I'm a fanboy at Jeremiah. I think he's absolutely terrific. You, um, so you wish you had ESPN's broadcast all the time with, with Daniel, J- J- Daniel, I, Daniel I wish Jeremiah. DJ was over with ESPN because I, I I miss Todd McShay. I think we all miss a little Todd McShay a little bit. Todd you know? McShay probably could have punched um, up a little bit. I think I think you know for me. Mel is almost become a talking head where I don't really care about his draft takes. I just want him on first take with the Stephen man Smith. looks. The man looks um, like a witch. Yeah, he's got witchy like hair. <laughs> he's got the um, widow's peak. He's got I, the hook nose. It I keeps getting worse. In my opinion, you know, DJ Daniel Jeremiah is like the draft guy that I want to listen to during a broadcast. I don't really give a shit about Mel Kiper anymore. <clears> and like, like here's the thing: it's not that Mel doesn't bring good insight. It's just I'm just. Every, just, everybody's caught he's a on. talking head. Everybody's caught on to that job title of a draft expert. Yeah. And now other networks have their own. So, and, and they're all good. And, and quite frankly, like, in, in my opinion, I, the two people that I want to listen tell me about the draft is Daniel Jeremiah and Benjamin Solek at the Draft Network. Those are the two people that I would really love to just explain to me every pick. Have you ever, have you guys heard of Benjamin Solek? <clears throat> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude, he's stuff? been on our show. Yeah. 
No, is there someone else you'd rather explain? Do you know their anything? podcast? Do you know their podcast? Ben Solak and Michael Kiss podcast. It's a great has made it, podcast. It's in the top twenty for sports podcasts in the U.S. It's a great podcast. They I, deserve I'm, it. First of all, I'm a big Michael Kiss fan. Second of all, Benjamin Solak is no no offense to Michael and that and, and, and Mike and that podcast. Ben is going to be he's 23 years old. Like he's young. He's gonna be on national television. And maybe by the time he gets there. He'll actually look like he should be able to buy beer. Sure, right. <laughs> or or have shaved for the first time. See, but yes. I can't help it. I'm full of pettiness and I you throw are. shade. That's but what I do. My my point of that was, is there's really nobody at right. Like, I could listen to Ben explain what a attack is, and I would be riveted the entire time. Well, all I can say is that this COVID nonsense ruined the draft, even made it more pedantic than it usually is. And that, if nothing else, is reason that this needs to end sooner rather than later. Because I don't ever want to go through that again. So with that said, that brings us to the Buffalo Bills 2020 draft. Oh, man. i got to pour some whiskey on the ice for this one. So as we kind of start... He's the, really pouring whiskey on, on a big piece of ice. It's from Buffalo Trace, so it's good stuff. It's good bourbon. I'm a, big, I'm a bit of a rye guy myself, but I, there is nothing See, wrong with some I'm Buffalo a bullet, bullet rye... Bullet bourbon, but then since uh, I've been turned on to this Buffalo Trace. So I assume that, before we get into the draft, I assume that you are an old-fashioned kind of guy. I'm more of a Manhattan guy. Well, that's terrible news. But (laughs) I I am... Manhattan, but no cherries. I like my Manhattan. I like... That's not a Manhattan, then. You're just drinking vermouth with bitter and a little... I I use lemon instead. Boom. So call that the gear. That's fuck, fuck not cherries. a. That's not a Manhattan. Ch- cherries? Cherries are not for adults. I'm sorry. <laughs> they're for the Shirley Temple. Anyway, yes, the, that Shirley kid. Temple. That kid fucks. Um, <laughs> but what I will say is, um, in terms of old fashions, Buffalo Trace really is up there for me in my like my old fashion. And, and personally, I would really rather a rye in my old fashion. Mm-hmm. But the bourbon, the Buffalo Trace bourbon, is so smooth and delicious. And you throw a little sugar in there, a little. I'm an eagle little rare essence guy. Of, little essence of orange. I'm an eagle rare guy. Okay. So the Buffalo Trace was a good, considering there's a place next to me that has it for the same price. So Boom. you being a bourbon and rye guy, do you like scotch or no? I'm getting into it. I it, I feel like you can't fully appreciate scotch until you're 35. It's like you can't you can't <laughs> officially become president of the United States until 35. I feel like very similar to scotch. Mm-hmm. I try. Listen, I've tried so hard with Glenn Lovett. I've got a bottle of this like. This twelve year, but now it's a fifteen year because I haven't. It's been sitting in my bar for three years. I'm really trying, and I, I, I know that I should like it. I'm struggling though. I am struggling. Well, that's scotch. Scotch is that thing that you try, you hate it. You try, you hate it. You All try, one. I'm hoping you for hate, that transition. One you day. try, you hate it a little less. Yes. And over time, you learn to appreciate the difference between that and bourbon. Yeah. I think the 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 only way I can explain it is bourbon and whiskey. It's like if if bourbon, if it were, like, let's make a music analogy. Bourbon is to, scotch is like the Buffalo Philharmonic. Yes. Very layered, very yes. textured, very multifaceted. Bourbon is like Leonard Skinner. It's got one speed, you know what you're getting, and it's pretty fucking great. Maybe even a little Molly Hatchet. I agree <laughs> with that, and, I, and, and, I'll, and I'll take it to the next level with bourbon. It's the very obvious presence of wood and or smoke yes. that you get with the bourbon, whereas the scotch, 
You do not get the that smoky like burn in your throat. No. It's a totally different burn. It's almost it's almost a, like a bittery burn for me. So I'm I'm still getting used to the I'm not drinking something that comes directly from a barrel that like feels like it started on fire while well, tell it you this, inside of it. Your awful mustache will probably help you get there. Faster. I'm hoping, you know, and honestly, let me tell you. So the one thing I noticed about the uh, Seagram's is I was still tasting it about four minutes ago because uh, there was a little on my, uh, there was stuck in mustache? the mustache. So, and they say it's a flavor saver and I completely agree. Um, sorry to my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> So with that, I've poured myself some whiskey. And I I'm going like to open up another booze There we go. And I feel like we're now in the right headspace to talk about the 2020 right. NFL right. draft class. We did not have a first-round pick. We didn't have a first-round draft pick. And there were no trades. For That's the not true. Time. We did have a first-round draft pick named Stephon Diggs. Name is Stephon Diggs. There were no trades, which was no. something that surprised me. Which... <sighs> Part of me wonders if he, if Brandon Bean truly loved his board that much that he didn't want to try to leverage future assets, or there is an alternative theory that exists out there right now. That is it your alternative theory, or is there no, a no, theory that exists? It's out a there? theory that okay. exists out there. Okay. That there were a lot of trades that got scuttled this year because with all of the uncertainty around the NCAA season that's rapidly approaching and nobody knows what to do because schools aren't even in session, much less, hey, let's get our athletic program up and rolling. They don't know what this collegiate season is going to look like. So now future picks become worth less because you're going to have a smaller sample size with which to look at these collegiate athletes and try to make a decision as to who do you like, who do you want, how valuable is your pick next year, are those picks worth anything? Is the draft class next year just by virtue of either not getting to play at all or by virtue of having a truncated season that you have less tape on, are those picks less valuable? What, what's your thought on that? I think it's interesting. I, I think that's an interesting theory. I, I don't necessarily see a ton of future picks being thrown around in mid-rounds, though. And, no. there were, and, and, and to Brandon Bean's maybe position here, I think that that Bean likely saw his first two picks come with an incredible value attached to them. And I think he probably thought, and, and listen, I'm going to tell you this, that I think there were several teams, the teams that really won this draft. And I think consensus wise, the bills were within the top 15 considering they didn't have a first round pick. I think that's really great that they fell within because of, from a value perspective, mm -hmm. but like, you know, teams like uh, the Tampa Buccaneers, right. Um, they're the one to me that sticks out as maybe the best draft. Um, I mean, Tyler Johnson in the fifth is like unfucking believable to me. Like that—that that is an unbelievable value to me. Okay, that's a guy <laughs> that I'm okay with in the third. Kashawn Vaughn, the running back from Vanderbilt, another guy where I'm like, I, you guys stole him, and he's gonna be—he's gonna start in front of Ron Jones this year. Like that, that's gonna happen. Well, I'm pretty um, sure everyone should start in front of Ron. Chris sure, sure. could start well, in front of Ron Jones. Again, let's not push it. Um, <laughs> but what I will say though, hey, he's is, an athlete. Hey. Chris is an athlete. The, the best teams figure out how to find value where they can, but more importantly, you don't move up the board for value. Value is <clears throat> you standing pat and it coming to you, the value coming to you. And I thought that in years past, we've seen Brandon B become very sort of centric around one player, saying, and, 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 and it was based on need. And that's what I think the biggest difference this year is there was no particular need after A.J. Epinesa got drafted, in my opinion. There wasn't that... Well, actually, I lied. Yeah. I, I do think Zach Moss was in need. 
Um, I think it was a position of need. But what I will say is from rounds three and after, I think what he determined was I got two very good value picks at need positions. Why am I going to trade up for an offensive lineman? Why am I going to trade up for a defensive back or a wide receiver when you know what? And I'm going to tell you what. I really think the two receivers they got. I thought Gabe Davis maybe was a, a little bit of a reach. Well, let's talk, well let's talk. Well, let's talk. was not. A let's reach. talk about this. Sure. You just said the name that we're going to lead things off with. The one that got. I'm not even going to rope Chris into this nonsense. That got me into a lot of hot water with Bills fans. AJ Epinesa, our second round pick at number 54, defensive end out of Iowa. Do you remember the question that? You asked Chris when he invited you on the show and told you what my reaction was. I'd like you to ask me that question again directly. What's your fucking problem, (laughs) Will you ever be happy? Okay. Here was my problem with the AJ Epinesa pick. When it happened, I had a very negative reaction to it. I did. Because in my mind, I have this idea, you know, you look back and you look at how bad the Bills have been historically over the last decade on offense. A lot of that revolves around not having elite talent on offense. So with that said, if you're trying to change that narrative about your football team, when there is elite talent that falls to you in a draft, and you don't have to trade up for it, you don't Mm -hmm. have to go anywhere. It comes to you in the form of the third best, arguably, in the case of like Matt Waldman, J.K. Dobbins, the number one wide running back in the draft, in his opinion. Denzel Mims, according to Brett Coleman, one of his favorite wide receivers, more so than the guys in the first round from a value standpoint. Yeah. From a value standpoint. I I would agree with from a value standpoint on Mims. They fall to you, and you've once again, for the third time in four seasons, as a Buffalo Bills team, since Sean McDermott, your defensive-minded head coach, You've taken a defensive player with your first pick in a given draft. Mm -hmm. Now, I understand that through the lens of we already gave up our first-round pick and got an established good wide receiver. I understand through that lens you can make that move, but look at it the way I'm looking at it. In a vacuum here of the NFL draft, elite potentially elite talent falls to you, and you still bypass it to take a defensive player. To me, it rubbed me the wrong way. And so with that said... I came out of draft night really upset about it. I was not happy oh, I know. with that pick. As you and everybody else in Bill's Mafia found out, and I was ratioed hard for this. And I don't care. We've N- talked about this. Social media, you can't hurt my feelings. N- I don't have Nate, any. last Tuesday, <laughs> like what you had said, we could have gone a lot of different directions at 54. Mm-hmm. We put that as the Seagram's bet. Drew said we were going to go to edge, and I thought we were going to take a running back. At 54. I felt very confident they weren't taking running back at 54. I felt very confident about that. And we go edge, and somebody doesn't like it. Chris, what's the analogy you gave me before he got here? Oh, I was like, I was like, it's like if Drew had a, a, uh, had a barbecue, and he calls me, and he's like, hey, on your way over, stop at Wegmans and pick up some Tyson chicken breasts. I'm like, all right, (laughs) got it. And then I show up at his house with Purdue chicken breasts. And he just ends the barbecue, sends everyone home. <laughs> it's the worst. You just ruined everything. So listen, you brought me, me the thing that I need, just not the just name. Not, just not the name just that not I want. The name. Okay, I, I I think it's a good analogy. I think it's a good analogy. Is was there another edge you would have preferred in that position? Gross mottos to me. That was that, that was the one. He was already off he was already he didn't fall. So I get it. 
I agree with you that if they were both there, Gross Matos is the guy I want. But I agree with that. So, with, I agree with that. With that said, AJ Epinesa, yep. your initial thoughts on the player. Versatility. Um, to me, the reason I like this move, this, this pick, is he's a guy that I think you pretty much universally are going to find his value falling between the 30s and 40s. Um, and whether or not – here's the thing. I think if the Bills had 22 and picked Epinesa at 22, I don't think you would have seen a lot of people bat an eye at it and say, like, that's not a first-rounder or that's not a guy I'd take at 22. I think at 22, I think you could have made a case for him at any point from 20 to 54 and in between there. I think – honestly, I think 54 was – Incredible value for Epinesa. Here's the reason why. I get that he's not an edge. He's not a bendy, uh, Jerry Hughes, speed rush, uh, has the tools to get around the corner kind of guy. I totally, I, 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 I'm not going to sell you that he is that guy. What I'm going to sell you is that they upgraded over Shaq Lawson, let another team pay him $30 million to play out of position, by the way. And the Bills are going to get a guy for the next four seasons at a super value in terms of what he's going to pay, get paid on the cap. He's going to be a player that walks in and plays more than Trent Murphy this year. He's going to be a player that has a more effective run-stopping style than Shaq Lawson, who we, I think we can all agree was your best edge run defender last year. And the thing that I'm most intrigued about is what they do <clears throat> on third-down passing situations. To me, Epinesa... At three technique with Ed Oliver playing over the center is or here's the thing and I don't think enough people are talking about this keeping Ed Oliver at the three technique and moving Epinesa to the one technique the thing about Epinesa that at least I really like is that a he walks off the bus as your best edge def- run defender no question driven by Doug Whaley b <laughs> off the bus b he's also for me the guy from a character, from a process, from everything else. He does seem... Fits that. He fits that archetype. C, let's put it in the context of what we know about Sean McDermott's defenses. There are two types of defensive ends in Sean McDermott's defense. There was an edge-setting defensive end, and there was a let-em-go-he-is-a-pass-rusher defensive end. Right now, before A.J. Epinesa, they did not have an edge-setting Give me a guy that you can believe That's fair. can defend the run. Because Trent that. Murphy's not that player. No, God no. God no. Right? We, I think we agree there. What I also like is that, again, he comes off the bus as your best edge of arm defender. To me, he is the style of Sean McDermott defensive end, the run stopper. That you, Here's the thing that, to me, Shaq Lawson really lacked. Size. Mm-hmm. And he's I, only about 240, And he was pounds. like six foot one. Like he's yeah. not very big. Like Epinesa's a fucking animal. Um, and what I like about Epinesa from a just intangible standpoint is I don't necessarily think that they need to be done at defensive end. Like, well, no. And, and here's my opinion. And this is my opinion is if you weren't going to get to Davian Clowney, which by God, they should go get to Javian Clowney still today, <laughs> right now. But because you're not doing that, who is the next best Sean McDermott left defensive end? Find me a name that is better than AJ Epinesa at four years and twelve million. That, that's do, a do fair point. I, do you know what I mean? So I, I think so from, from a the- value, a fit, a scheme, a, a stylistic, but more importantly, who is the coach? 
what's the scheme that the coach runs, and who's the ideal player to fit the left defensive end position? To me, I think the Bills have one of the most versatile defensive lines in football. You cannot well, find a team who has players that could play one, three, five, and seven. The Bills have a couple of guys who can well, play. And that. I'll say this. A lot of what makes him work in this scheme is the fact that <clears throat> our defensive tackle group, we've cultivated an incredible amount of depth. This is yes. probably the first time that you're going to see us have to keep five D tackles. And guess what? I, I agree with you. I, I'm very interested in how they their game day roster looks. Those two extra roster spots come game day might be, might be huge. Might be the Vernon Butler. That might be the difference between yeah. Vernon Butler making the roster and Trent Murphy making the roster. So for myself, the draft happens. Now you're obviously pumped about this. The draft happens. I'm miserable about it. I go about my business. And then I start, I say, okay, I'm going to dive into this because there's nothing I can do about it. It's all over but the crying. So let me figure out what I can do to make my peace with this Epinesa pick. And I start going down the rabbit hole of his scouting tape and more. I try digging in more into him. And I find this video, which we're going to link in the show's description, and I urge everybody to go watch it. It's a 24-minute video of by Talking Giants. Now you can follow them on Twitter. They're a Giants podcast, broadcast type thing. With Bobby, I believe his last name is Skinner. I don't know. It's in the description. But he, a former NFL offensive lineman. And the host of this Talking Giants podcast and blog essentially breaking down A.J. Epinesa versus Austin Jackson. Mm -hmm. First round offensive tackle pick by the Miami Dolphins. Austin Jackson (laughs) having nightmares currently about having to face him twice a a year. And they, they sit down and, again, with the help of a former lineman, break down the battle between the two of them. Yeah. Play by play. What I walked away from that, it was eye-opening for a few things for me. First of all, Epines' hands are incredibly I was, violent. I, incredibly violent. I, I wish that I had mentioned that a part of why I like him. He Offensive tackles have to hand fight like yes. their lives depend That's on right. it. Austin Jackson did Epinesa gets a Spoiler Again, alert. Epines is never Epinesa gonna beat gets, you around the edge. He gets the better part of Jackson throughout the course of this game. It's that left hand. But a lot of it relies on the fact that no matter how hard Austin Jackson, who is a first-round drafted offensive tackle, no matter how hard he tries, you cannot hand-fight A.J. Epinesa. He's got too much upper body strength. He knows He's yeah. already developed hand-fighting technique as a defensive lineman to a degree that he almost walks into the NFL, I think, ready to challenge a lot of established tackles. Do you know what it reminds me of? What? It reminds me of a quarterback who doesn't have arm strength, but they've accepted the fact they don't have the arm strength. And they get real good at And the they th- just anticipation and yep. those times. Even though you can never be late on a throw, you've developed this, like, and that's what I think of it with Epinesa, is he will, I, I, I don't want to, he's never going to beat NFL no. offensive tackles around the edge. No, it's, he's not going to be a speed It's never guy. going to happen. But what he's going to do is, he's not only going to be particularly devastating physically mm-hmm. when it comes to tackles, one of the things that I walked away from that with, and then more of his film as I went down the rabbit hole, he's got a lot of patience. Yes. Especially from a 21-year-old. Now, he doesn't a, necessarily have counter moves, not, but he does allow the offensive linemen to show their card first. Yes. And yeah. so here's the – and this is a perfect example. There was multiple examples 
where versus the run, on especially on run option plays, where he bodied up the run block attempt from Jackson and then peeked around either side of him. They kept referring to him as snacks, like Harrison Phillips. Mm-hmm. On either side of him to diagnose the play before even trying to make a tackle, which to the guy who, to the former lineman doing the video, he's like, that's incredible from a 21-year-old because you're talking about a kid who has the patience and the, he knows how physical he is. He's willing, he's taking on a, he's taking on an offensive lineman who's trying to knock him down. And he's able to not only control this lineman, but focus on looking past him to diagnose the play properly. He goes from a 21-year-old, that speaks to processing from the defensive end position that's years ahead of where he should be right now. And one of the coolest things that I watched as you go through his, you know, they play, you're talking about what, the Big 12? Or the Big 10? Yeah, Big 10. The Big 10. You've got some teams that Good play, offensive linemen. You've got good offensive linemen. And They're not got, spread teams. And, yes. They're NFL-style offenses. But you see them mix in a lot of run-pass concepts. The RPO has become really big in college. It really has, because it's effective. One of the things that I watched, he does not get fooled by it. And every analyst out there is pegged on this. And the more I read it, then I see it with my own two eyes. He's constantly looking in those situations when he gets past an offensive tackle and he's in the backfield. And he has to, you look at his tackles for a loss. And you say to yourself, okay, that's, that's a, he must be a big, powerful guy. He gets into the backfield, he tackles the ball carrier. That doesn't do him justice because when he gets behind the line of scrimmage and it's an RPO play, you have to make a split-second decision as the right. defender. I mean, that's why, the, that's why that package exists. Make the defender that's in the backfield make a decision on who has the football and try to guess. He guesses right more often than he's wrong because he has a nose for following the football when he gets behind the line of scrimmage. I, I think as a pass rusher, his highest upside belongs at the three-technique position. I think he can beat guards in the NFL – I think he his game is made to beat guards, and although I don't think he's going to get a ton of opportunities to rush from the inside, I do think that they're going to... To me, Quentin Jefferson and A.J. Epinesa are two players this team lacked last season. And, and say what you will about Jordan Phillips. I liked Jordan Phillips. Here's the thing. When you look at Jordan Phillips and Shaq Lawson, if they were here in Buffalo this year, I think you could expect them to both have good two good football seasons, okay? The problem is, Jordan Phillips is going to be asked to be a five-technique defensive end in the 3-4 scheme, and so is Shaq Lawson. Are we going to agree that those two players no. shouldn't be playing in the same position? No. Secondly, we're... hold up, even before that, is imagine, and this was my original thought, and Travis Wingfield told me wrong. He told me the right way. Shaq is not going to be asked to be a stand-up outside, no. outside linebacker rush edge. Thank God. But you know what? He He's not Rex gonna... Ryan proved that Shaq Lawson is not a three-four player. He is a four-three defensive end. He got paid thirty million to play in a scheme he can't play in. So did Jordan Phillips. So here's the thing: the reason that AJ Epinesa, Quinton Jefferson, and Vernon Butler, even if Vernon Butler doesn't play, and if it's just Jefferson and Epinesa, are going to look like absolute studs. And I mean, they're gonna the Bills are gonna look really smart for those two players. When you look at the counterproduction that you're going to get from Jordan Phillips in a scheme he's not meant to play in, and Shaq Lawson in a scheme he's not meant to play in, I think you're going to look at these two players as far more productive players than the ones you've lost 
even though I think you can make the argument that you might rather have Jordan Phillips than uh, Quentin Jefferson, or you might rather have a Shaq Lawson than A.J. Vanessa, the, the thing I'm going to tell you right now is when you compare their seasons at the end of 2020, there's going to be no question of who who's you would the better have. value. That's right. That's right. Chris, I'm going to read you, okay? I'm going to read you the scouting report, okay, for A.J. Vanessa. Big, versatile defensive end that can play in a 4 3 or 3 4 at the next level. Power at, powerful athlete at the point of attack, can eat up blocks in the running game and use heavy active hands to shed quickly. Possesses a less than ideal burst, but is a relentless pass rusher. Gets more sacks than he should. His greatest asset is his versatility, as he can control blockers to be effective in a two-gap scheme, but also have an impact as a traditional end in a 4-3. Will likely not last past the first round. That sounds right, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I lied. That's the scouting report for Cam Hayward from the Steelers. The more I watch tape on AJ Epinesa over the course of the, I, I do see, wonder. I do wonder. I now, see I, I sniffs. Wonder out loud. I see sniffs of Cam Hayward here because Cam Hayward, when he was drafted, I remember laughing. He's at a that. little thicker, and oh, um, he's he's a little heavier. He's about, I, I he's about want, fifteen pounds heavier. I wonder out loud that if it is AJ Epinesa being maximized in the four three. I I think all of us can wonder that out loud. But at the end of the day, I think the position, if he went to any other 4-3 scheme, I might agree with you. But the fact that he's walking into a Sean McDermott 4-3 scheme, knowing what we know about the left defensive end, that I do really think he's in a perfect, he's in the only 4-3 position that I think he will be maximized. Otherwise, I do look at A.J. Epinesa as a 5-technique, 3-4 defensive end. I do agree with that. I think he's in the only scheme in the league that runs 4-3 where he could succeed. I'll say this. I feel better tonight sitting here talking to you guys I about I figured this. you would. Then so did Chris. That's why Chris, he texted me. But Chris, yeah. isn't this why we do our podcast a couple days after a football this game? This is why yeah. Chris texted me. Yeah. So he you, said, Nate, I really need you. He's like, I, I just <laughs> I need you. He's like, I am you. sick and tired of having this dead weight in my home that I have to carry every <laughs> fucking night. Yeah. Can you please come? And can you please tell the idiot what he needs to be thinking? Yeah, that, so this is good. It's perfect. Uh, during the broadcast on Friday, initial react. That's why we don't do anything on That's Sunday. Why we should never initially react. Yeah. So you please. Can, yeah. yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah, Drew's I'll on. do what I want. This is a free yeah. country, sir. Drew's just, just sit my bourbon. Yeah. Drew's just on <laughs> camera hating, and they went to Drew last, so Drew is losing his mind on camera, not having to say anything. <laughs> so you're having to listen to other people, and you see Drew like this guy. This guy should be talking. Something's wrong. He doesn't. He doesn't like something. And, you know, you took the weekend, you watched a little bit of tape, did your research, and... Here's what I think, Chris. Ultimately, as long as he works his ass off, he can grow into an impact part of our rotation at defensive end, and potentially the long-term future of the team, even if he's not the most elite athlete in the face of the earth. Because, as Nate highlighted, he fits this scheme well. While he learns the finer points of pass rushing in the NFL against NFL caliber offensive tackles, he still projects as a standout against the run. So he's going to fit in on early Very well. rounds. And the thing for me is, Chris, we got in our defensive end episode with uh, Kentley. Oh, God. Bubble. You all right there? Woo, you okay, Kentley You're Platty. not even drinking beer. Kentley Platty. When we were talking defensive ends, we talked about the fact that our ends are old. 31. 30 and 34 at the start of this season. 
aging up Anessa being able to play on early downs is going to keep them rotationally fresh throughout the course of the game, which I think is a boon to their talents, Chris. Yeah. To his point, on late downs, that's when you want the Mario Edisons and the Trent Murphys of the world. It's not on first down when you know the team's running at you. That's right. So in that light, I've come to terms with a the A first pick. and second down player that you can count on, you can rely on, and that you know Sean McDermott feels comfortable being out on the field. And to me, when you look at Shaq Lawson, if, if he truly is an upgrade from Shaq Lawson, I believe he will be, he is 100% an upgrade over Trent Murphy on rundown. So with that said, the night progressed. I burned down the broadcast because nobody on... Did, nope. you, did you like Zach Moss or no? Well, here's the thing. So after the AJ Epinesa pick, I set fire to the hashtag sports because broadcast. Because you were like, I need J.K. Dobbins, and I will not... Oh, yeah. I was drink, I, I okay, started yeah. drinking whiskey. I was, I was two-fisting at one Shit. point. People are at home trying to have pragmatic conversation about football, and here I am just boozing hard and venting. Venting. Your Why? Wife. Because I, I can't take it. And I don't get to do this when we do our in-person draft panels. I can't do it. But now that I'm in the same thing, they know. Do you want to know why you can't do it? Is because beforehand they're like, "Listen, we actually enjoy having you on the program. Please don't <laughs> fucking ruin it. Please don't. Please don't make our fans hate us by you being you. Can you just be a less severe Drew Listen, for somebody, this show? Somebody has to wear the black hat, and I think it yeah, fits me pretty sure. well. But then we get to the Zach Moss pick, round three. Running back. This is the pick that salvaged the entire night for me. And is the only reason that I didn't go off the deep end. Off the deep end and subject my poor wife to me for hours just being miserable about this. Proof that I can sometimes be happy about things. As soon as the draft, I think as soon as the pick came in, Chris reached out to a friend of the show and recurring guest, Matt Waldman, for his thoughts. Just, hey, what do you think about Moss coming to Buffalo? And like the absolute machine that he is, he gave us over three minutes of audio that Chris was able to condense down into this for us. I really like this because I compared Zach Moss to Travis Henry before the draft. Both have a low center of gravity. They're excellent you know, in terms of contact balance. They're good after contact players. Moss is also a player who has terrific flexibility. That's a little different than Henry and really different from many backs in the league. Uh, the last back I saw with the level of flexibility I saw from Zach Moss was Ricky Williams. And then maybe a back who also possesses that kind of underrated flexibility in terms of his legs and hips and ability to take contact, hard contact, to his lower body and kind of displace it a little bit due to that flexibility and maintain his footing is Nick Chubb, who arguably is one of the very best running backs in the NFL today. Now, he's not a, he's not a burner. Um, he has enough quickness to be a contributor in the league, and a lot like Devin Singletary, they both are guys with excellent decision-making, good peripheral vision. Neither are spectacular athletes at the running back position. They're good enough to play in the league, but it's their vision and footwork and their aggression that compensates for that lack of top-shelf athletic skill. Singletary and Moss, both guys are, are physical players willing to get physical, but Moss is more of a bruiser, whereas Singletary is a little bit more of a, a guy who's going to look for that open space and try and avoid direct contact. And I think Moss has that element to his game as well, but you see where one is more the scat back, one is more pronounced as a power back. 
Now, Moss also has the added element of being an excellent pass protector. Utah often matched him up one-on-one against edge defenders um, in their passing game, and he handled the job very well. I think he's going to continue to improve in that respect. You know, a back who can be used in those three-down packages or in, in certain situations where they want him to pass protect. So to me, you kind of have a, a really nice um, element where the common denominator between Singletary and Moss is that they're physical and smart and savvy, um, where one's a little bit more scat back, one's a little bit more power back. They should work well together. That was like three minutes of audio, and I, cu- I couldn't cut it down. He just gave, the guy's a genius. gave away just so much information on Zach Moss. Nate Geary. Thoughts on the pick? So first of all, Matt Waldman. Tell me he's not the best. (laughs) I love this guy. And not only that, but Chris, we have to make him an intro since he comes on our show every year. I feel like he is the Barry White podcast. uh, See, I was disagreeing. I was going to tell you he is the... He's the joyride of podcasts. He is <laughs> the joyride! Candy cane. <laughs> Candy cane. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What a callback. Holy um, shit. Listen, Matt Waldman, first of all, other than a gentleman and a scholar, uh, and, and can I emphasize scholar, um, just totally spot on about the... The makeup of Zach the Moss? The skill set of... How these two are so similar, but yet different. so different. Yep. Um, they win similar ways, but they would prefer to not. And if that makes sense or if it doesn't, I, I guess my point is, one, Zach Moss, is your physical, legitimate downhill north-south runner. Whereas Devlin Singletary sort of provides that mm-hmm. quick... Twitch without really actually being fast. He's he. What he is is he's slippery. Slipper. Okay, how about this? He's the closest person in a confined area to, to Lashawn McCoy that I have seen mm-hmm. because of his ability to make people miss in such like a small area. I'll give you that. And then now when, they're not uh, Lashawn McCoy in his prime is no, much quicker God, and faster oh, of than ever than Lashawn. But by but, comparison, this kid has wiggle. Yeah, he's got enough wiggle that even when you hit him, it's a glancing blow. You never. At what point last season did you see anybody body Singletary up? Nobody. Nobody and, got and a good shot at. What him. I'll say too about both of them is very similar: is both are incredibly underrated and undervalued pass catchers. Oh, both absolutely. Of them are. Both of them are. And the the way that Moss differs from Singletary in that aspect is Singletary is the guy that in a pinch, in a hole. Singletary is going to get squirrely. Yeah. He's going to slip off you. He's going to find a way around you. I, do you know what I Moss like to think about? Moss has the ability to do that. Or he just has the ability to run you but over. But he could punt. There, there's a game. Okay, so USC, last season, last season Utah plays USC. They have a 3-4 three, They have a three, four defense. They're outside linebacker, number 35. It's one of his highlights. He's running downfield, and the 3-4 linebacker drops into space. Now, this is a guy who I looked up his measurables. He's 6'5", 265 pounds. He's an outside linebacker. Zach Moss levels this guy, puts his shoulder into his chest on a tackle attempt, and absolutely decletes this defender, and then changes directions and runs the other way. 
Why that's important is because throughout the course of a game, defenders, Marshawn Lynch talks about it all the time. The, you look at the way Marshawn Lynch has carried the football over the course of his career. Zach Moss had a quote post-draft. He said he likes to make defenders make business business decisions. decisions. Was arguably, (laughs) listen, I'm not talking about Bill's prospects. I'm talking about maybe best ever football quote ever. Yeah, I'm going to make you make a business decision. How badly do you want to tackle me? I love that. And you see it over and over and over again in Moss's tape. Him running down guys who outweigh him by 40, 50 pounds. Just, if you get in his way and he he can't wiggle away from you, he has no problem has no lowering problem. the pads that's and right. making you pay for trying to tackle him. Now, obviously, that's gonna get, that dynamic will change a little bit, maybe, when it gets to the NFL. But in that aspect, these two running backs, even though they have sort of a similar athletic profile, approach the game kind of the same way and yet different altogether. And with that, they become kind of a thunder and lightning combination. I'm thinking to myself, Tevin Coleman and Devonta Freeman for the Falcons. When they were together, that was arguably the best. The Burner Turner, okay, his era in with the Falcons, he was okay. But the best era of Falcon, Falcon running back that I can remember, at least in the last decade, was Freeman and Tevin Coleman. And the two of them seemed to have a little bit of that. Can I tell you, I don't want to make this sound like a hot take. I don't know that we've ever seen quite a combination like these two. Um, two running backs, how about this? And, and this is what I, I talked about after the Zach Moss pick was, imagine all of the scenarios, situations, down distances, um, you know, times they put Frank Gore on the field last year. First and foremost, we all knew that when he was on the field, more than likely it was going to be a run play. Yeah. Oh, and Lee Smith was always going to be attached at the hip to him. That's right. So the thing I, I really like about Zach Moss is, A, thinking about if he's going to be on the field in all the situations Frank Gore was, how much more a dynamic player that Oh, Jesus. I want to make sure, before I talk about Zach Moss, that I say, A, about Frank Gore, is he his value to the team was far more than what his oh he was a leader was. he was a leader in the locker room. more importantly I don't think Devin Singletary is the player he is without no. Frank Gore you see him at latch super onto important Frank Gore he's very important he inherited for him to be he here. inherited Frank Gore's work ethic I almost wish that Frank Gore was still here for Zach Moss because I I, really, I thought you were gonna say oh I almost wish he was my dad I well <laughs> I really love my dad if he was my mom it'd be different but um <laughs> I, I guess really how I look at this is I liken Zach Moss to Frank Gore. I think they're I think that they're gonna win very similar ways in the NFL. They are a one cut north south runner. And I was very convinced that that was going to be the compliment that Brandon Bean was going to try to bring with Devin Singletary. A lot of people were under the impression that Let's get a straight line speed guy. No, no. I think if you know anything about Brandon Bean, he has never had a running back like that ever. While he was part of the personnel department, no, it's not the Panthers a never line had. Guy. No, they had a D'Angelo Williams and who's the other guy? Jonathan Stewart. They yes. all won with finesse. They yes. won in similar ways. D'Angelo Williams will never be talked about as a speed straight line back, even though he was smaller and faster. He was considered more of a Devin Singletary type, whereas Zach Moss is very clearly your Jonathan Stewart, right? I 
I think that they view the running back position as a very binary thing that well, you don't you necessarily to need to have two players that are polar opposites. Well, and that's it. You don't have to have a one and a zero, but what you have to have is a nice blend. Yes. You have to have a nice blend of talent. And I, very, I think it's very clear when you look at the two running backs, they have different skill sets, but they win oh, similarly. They win similarly, but let me throw some numbers at you since you're a nerd. You're a self-admitted I nerd. I am. Zach Moss was pro football focus's second rated back. Now, while those of you out there might have just booed, maybe spit some coffee, I don't know, maybe done something more extreme like throw a beer, which... If you're in your vehicle, Chris, you've never yeah. seen me do that. No. <laughs> or they just shut the podcast off. <laughs> well, you may not have an appreciation for Pro Football Focus's style of analytics or the wild conclusions that they draw from those analytics. Numbers are numbers, and some of Moss's are eye-opening. First of all, 87 missed tackles forced in 2019. 87 missed tackles. So, Chris, he's flexible. He's got some wiggle to him, and he's, he can move in a hole the same way kind of Devin Singletary can. He has five games with more than 100 yards after contact. No, no, not just 100-yard games. 100 yards after contact. He finished 2019 with 1,042 yards after contact. It's insane. Just to put that into context That's for insane. everyone listening to this, Derrick Henry let... Derrick Henry, King Henry, led the NFL with 968 yards after contact. This kid had over a thousand. Can I can I put additional context to that? Derrick Henry played five more games. Thank you. Yeah. Nick Chubb, Leonard Fournette, Chris Carson, uh, Jacobs, and Elliott were the next five running backs behind him in yards after contact. And they only had between 679 and 890 yards after contact. If I told you Zach Moss could beat Chris Carson, would both of you take that today? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. On a rookie deal? Yep. Yeah. Without any money tied to it? Yeah. What are we talking about here then? You know, listen, I think at the end of the day, I, I will continue well, to go back to... I, I hate to cut you me. off. But this is my show, and I'm going to do it. And, okay, I'm, and this is why. And this if you were is on why. my show, I'd cut you off. Exactly. No, you would hang up on him. That's a great point, Chris. <laughs> That's a... Two of his box scores caught my eye. For the people out there who don't think, you're talking about you need a speed back, right? Because that's the only way you can manufacture home run plays. Yeah, what's uh, Matt Waldman's 40 quote? Oh, God. He said if, you, if a running back runs a slow 40, that just means that someone's going to catch him before he gets to before he runs 40 yards downfield. Someone might catch him. Week three versus Idaho State. Zach Moss gets 10 carries for 106 yards, forces six missed tackles, has 110 yards after contact on 10 carries. Sick fuck. Week seven versus Oregon State, which, hey, you know college football. Oregon State, they're not, the, they're not the best. Isaiah Hodgins. But they're not slouches. No. I mean, they're not absolute pushovers. Five carries, 121 yards, only three missed tackles, 104 yards after contact. Chris, five carries, 121 yards. But he's not a home run threat. 
He's not a home run. He low key threat. is though. He low key <laughs> is. Yeah. He low key. How about this? He's a bigger. He's a better home run threat than Devin Singletary is. Thank you. He is. And and it's weird that you would say your power back has a better ability than your. And this is really where I think I find it interesting is I think people are very assumptive that Devin Singletary is your two down back. Oh, and absolutely. Moss, I wouldn't be so sure. Now here's my question for you. Interesting. We know the way that this team likes to handle rookies. Okay? Gore was used as an early down back, even though we knew that Devin Singletary had more exciting athletic upside. When you look at the way that this coaching staff has handled young players and the way that they've eased them into roles, I mean, think about it. Ed Oliver. He might be the only one who got thrown into the fire right out of the gate. You had Matt Milano playing behind Ramon Humber, even though Ramon Humber was weak. Weak as a starting linebacker. You had Gore taking the lion's share of the snaps early on last season. So this is where we talk about three down back T.J. Yeldon. This is my question. To start the season... Is it possible that no. we see a committee approach, or do you believe that they just throw Moss out there and let him be what he is? I think at first, Devin Singletary will be the, the feature back. I wouldn't be surprised to see Zach Moss become the feature back. Um, I also wouldn't, only because, here about this, if Zach Moss got the same number of touches as Frank Orr last year. Oh, it's a much more dynamic football team. Your rushing attack is much more dynamic. I think there's several situations where negative losses or negative gains become positive, forward, actual football plays. And again, I want to continue to say that, A, I'm not here to be the guy that's talking shit about Frank Gore. I don't want to hear anybody talk shit about Frank Gore. He played a very important role in this football team last year. Whatever he did on the field, I don't really particularly care about. What I care about is knowing what Frank Gore did for the rookie last season. And he was an, an, an unbelievable resource for Devin Singletary. And I think will be one of the primary reasons Devin Singletary continues to have success in the league. How they split carries next year is going to be really, really interesting to me. And if it's the same, did Devin Singletary end the season with more carries than Frank Gore? Yes. Barely, was, though. Oh, right, barely? He was the best. Well, I don't know about the most overall over the course of the season, but on a game-by-game basis, he was out-touching Frank Gore. And then they stopped giving him the ball in the second half of a certain game where he was the most dynamic player. Are you talking about the Houston game? And at that point, I I don't even want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> Chris, I want to throw a beer bottle across your apartment. Don't do that. We're all friends here. <sighs> With that said, I think that Zach Moss is one of the most exciting pieces of this entire draft. So, and then in the fourth round, we took wide receiver Gabe Davis, who I guess immediately hung up the phone and went outside and ran routes. Is that, that's not what happened. That's what happened, right? That is what happened, yeah. So, like, what do we, what do we get from Davis? Can I, can I, can I say something weird? Yeah, go ahead. I don't know if anyone's ever, I don't know if anyone shares this opinion. And there's a good chance that Gabe Davis and Isaiah Hodgins the guy that we drafted late. Could have been flip-flopped in terms of where they were drafted. And you wouldn't... I. How about this? I think there's a better chance that the Bills keep Isaiah Hodgins over Gabe Davis. 
Do you think he could get cut? I, I, how about this? I think the worst pick the Bills had was Gabe Davis in the third. That was an incredible reach. I think there was far better I, I think if the Bills didn't take Gabe Davis in the third, I'm not sure when he would have gone. I think he would have gone probably where Isaiah Hodgins went. He would have fell that far. I think so. Well, so, so why does he drop? Or why, why, do we, why do we reach on him then? Like, um, what does he not do? I think he's a certain type of receiver who did not get asked, a lot like Denzel Mims, did not get asked to run every route in the route tree. And he's a big downfield threat, but I don't think you should confuse that with someone who can run the routes. Gabe Davis, to me, provides more special teams value than he does actual offensive value. Again, I want to go on the record by saying I would actually be more surprised to see Gabe Davis on this team than Isaiah Hodgins. I think Isaiah Hodgins should have been the guy that they picked in the third round, or the fourth round, over Gabe Davis. Again, I want to say, if Gabe Davis did not get picked by the Bills, I'm not sure when he would have gone. I think it was their biggest reach. By Ooh, far. okay. By far. So you're not a fan of the pick. It's not that I'm not a fan of the pick. I, 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 I was Gabe surprised Davis, by it. I, I, I had no idea who the fuck the guy was. I think that out of the receivers, and, and again, I don't remember the fourth round in particular. I know that Tyler Johnson was still on the board, and if you're going to tell me that any team other than the Bills had Tyler Johnson below Gabe Davis, I would say, hey, T. Higgins is mom. You're like T. Higgins' is mom. You like crack. <laughs> Which now we're all privy to. We are. Thanks. We all know T. Higgins' mom did crack. Thanks, ESPN. You're re- real, real solid job on that. Okay, so here's what I, I guess when you look into this, this Gabe Davis pick, big wide receiver, boundary threat with big catch radius. I guess he only runs a four or five at the combine, so it doesn't seem like he has any kind of elite speed at the wide receiver position. Seems like he tracks the ball well over his shoulder, though. Something that no Bills wide receiver last year could do. None of them. I mean, look at how many times in that Baltimore game alone. Josh Allen throws a ball. That... Wait a second. Have you guys seen the picture of Jake Fromm's mom? Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry that I derailed poor Gabe Davis. Wow. Does not belong on the story because Jacob Fromm's mom wow. is loaded. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like an Abrams tank in rolls Jake Christ! <laughs> in rolls Jake Fromm's mother and derails <laughs> and just derails Your a Bills neighbors. just derails a Bills podcast. I feel so bad for them. They have no idea this is all about a quarterback's mom. You know Ult- ultimately, let's let's close the book on Gabe Davis. I, I could do it right now. Here's his what I see. Ain't, no. His mom ain't. Here's what I see from him. Mom. No, no, no. 84% of all of his yards came on just a few routes. Goes, posts, and double moves. He's a one-trick pony. Mm-hmm. All he can do is get upfield. He no. runs, he, he, he's not even elite at the routes that he does run. Do you know what Josh Allen is? What's that? So maybe, so maybe when, maybe when Brandon Bean is looking at his depth chart, he's looking at his board, he's going, okay, here's a guy who runs an elite post route, and that's all I want from this guy. And then maybe we can develop him to be more than that over time. But right now, all I want 
is a guy who runs a top-shelf post route. Maybe three times a game, he'll actually see a, he'll see the field for an offensive snap. And maybe once or twice a game, we'll try to throw it to him. But when we do, he's shown a proclivity to catching that pass, and that's a big play waiting to happen. I would say Gabe Davis, Robert Foster. One of them will make a roster. I said this, and that was good. That was literally on my question. This is why I love that you're a professional. I don't have to send you a rundown. That's true. Before <laughs> the show, I said here, does it sound to you like Davis's skill set seems a lot like what we thought Robert Foster was going to be last year? The question is, who is going to be your, your punt runner? Well, and that's I the question. Much, I very much like, uh, that's why I think Gabe Davis is going to struggle to make this football team. Over a guy like Isaiah Hodges. If you drafted, okay, so how badly then? Okay, I understand what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Foster is a better gun. I mean, he's a top shelf gunner right Mm -hmm. now. If it comes down to special teams utility, Chris and I were just talking about what the wide receiver depth chart would look like Mm -hmm. with Davis as a part of this. Mm -hmm. If you cut a fourth pick, do you look bad as a GM? I don't think they give a fuck. If I gotta be honest, I don't think I don't really care what I, I don't think they care what other teams think about them. Because you've done so well, you don't have to get. I, I I agree with that. And how about this? I think that they they brought these receivers in. Gabe Davis is direct competition for Robert Foster. I think if Robert Foster wins that position, that there's no reason why you would keep Gabe Davis over Robert Foster. Secondly, I think Isaiah Hodgins is direct competition with Duke Williams. The two roster players at the bottom of their wide receiver roster are Robert Foster and Duke Williams, and they drafted their replacements. And Chris, we've already talked about Brandon Bean. We've said it before. Brandon Bean said what he got here when he he was asked, hey, how do do you plan, at the very beginning of this whole Megilla, how do you plan to approach roster building? He said, well, we're going to stack guys on top of guys on top of guys, and the best guys will win out. It sounds like they just drafted... Chris, the top three of our wide receiver depth chart is set. Yeah. You know who they are. So with that said, they drafted guys to come in here and push the lower end of the depth chart. To say, look, how badly do you want your jobs? Yeah. Here's two guys who are young and hungry who's gonna looking be, to take them. Who's going to be four? Who's going to be five? Are you going to keep six? Because Robert Foster's a pretty good gunner on special teams. Yep. Who so- wants their job badly enough? It is time to find out. And with that, I like the pick. Now, are we going to go to the guy we want to talk about here? Oh, first of all, I had a Jake, really good tweet about it. And Jake, I'd like to read the tweet. Jake from interrupted this podcast. His mother stacked with that stacked with that said. Okay. The bills spent a mid round pick on a quarterback. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. That's essentially what Bill's Mafia... Dogs and cats, mass hysteria. That's what Bill's Mafia turned into. Just to put this out there, I punted on all of the draft watching on Saturday. Because not only was I working off my AJ Epinesa-related hangover, but for those of you outside the Buffalo area, it's been snowing and raining in less than 40 degrees for weeks. So Saturday rolls around, it's sunny, it's 58 degrees. You bet your ass, I spent my entire day pissed off, outside, hungover, just putting together the toolbox, the rolling toolbox that my father got me for my garage. In my, <laughs> just cleaning out the garage and the shed and organizing everything, creating space so that I can hang out out there for all the, all the 
Chris, all the spaces that I want to spend my summer grilling and smoking and drinking and hanging out playing my guitar in the garage and I spent my entire day around that. And while I'm doing all this, I'm streaming music off my phone and at one point, all hell broke loose. Notification after notification, text message, Facebook message, tweet. And I knew the Bills had to have done something controversial. With that said, it seems they drafted Jake Fromm and it set the world on its head. Now, your tweet, Mr. Geary. Uh, Daryl Henley at Henley316, H-E-N-L-E-Y. I think this is the best I've heard about reasoning so far. Uh, they didn't pick him for us. They picked Jake Fromm for Jim Kelly so that he'd have someone to go hunting with. And I agree. Because <laughs> they certainly didn't pick him to play quarterback. Oh, shit. That is a hot take. His mom is stacked. Like, there's no doubt about it. But let me just tell you, is Jake Fromm leaves so much to be desired from the quarterback position. Okay, well, let me read just, you, Nate. All of it. Let me read you his coach, Kirby Smart. Oh, fuck about Kirby Smart. Former Alabama defensive coordinator, head coach for Georgia, Kirby Smart. Who's won nothing, by the way. So hey, essentially, let, he's a defensive coordinator turn head coach who has yet to do means, anything. That means you have to get past Nick Saban, which, come on, that's not happening. Should have. Okay. This was his quote post-draft. Jake Fromm was without a doubt the best quarterback in the whole draft. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a Dom DeLuise laugh. Oh, no. I'll give you some more. Teams, <laughs> teams, will re- teams will regret not drafting him sooner. I see him being an all-pro in three years and winning the Bills multiple Super Bowls. Do we all just leave the room now? No, that's Do not. Do we all just walk away from the microphone that's, that's for not, a minute? That's not happening. It's like calling you and I sex experts. <laughs> yeah, you know, Drew, he's really an expert on sex. You know, with, with these teeth and this hair, trust me, I get it. Oh, my God. What the, what are we talking, what? Okay, multiple Super Bowls. Oh, Christ. Multiple. It's like, Drew's going <laughs> to impregnate multiple women. Uh, well... <laughs> It's more likely. It's more likely <laughs> than, than Jake from winning multiple Super Bowls. Here's, here's what I love. So I punt on watching the draft on Saturday, sure. and I come back to my phone, and at one point I pick it up, and it says, you have 73 notifications. I'm like, what the fuck just happened? And I look, and it says, Bill's drafted a quarterback, Jake Fromm. Everyone wants to know what I think. And you know what I did? I shut my phone off. I was like, nope, we're not doing this today. And I went and I turned on an old school radio and just went about my day. Just completely ignored the rest of the day as it, as it occurred, like as it pertained to football. I just put it out of my mind. I was like, you know what, we're not, ta- we're not, gonna, we're not even going to deal with this today. Why is everyone so upset about the Bills drafting a potential backup quarterback? Not even a backup, but a maybe backup quarterback. Why is everyone on edge about this? Irony. <laughs> Is that the same the same guy that drafted Josh Allen drafted Jake Fromm? That's that is why us of the smarter folk have looked at this pick and said, 
what has happened here? Like, why are we doing this? Again, like, you have Jake Fromm in your roster. His name's Matt Barkley. And you can have him for just as much and with more experience. Like, this is a player in my – again, you know what? Jake Fromm was a good college football player. He's Division One. He's better than me. He's probably got – He's I, better than me. I think, As if that's even something you have. No shit, he's Drew. better than you. Shut the fuck up, Drew. I'm trying to figure this out. I'm trying to talk it out with yeah. myself. Okay. His mom's better. Well, there's no doubt his mom is way better than mine. His mom, his mom factored in. His right? mom fucks. But regardless, what I'll say about Jake Fromm is he is not an NFL quarterback. And if Kirby Smart is really trying to sell people that he's going to win multiple Super Bowls. How come he couldn't win one SEC title? Because uh, he, he kept one? running into Alabama. How about this? Bad! Because, no, he did win the SEC championship. Know, know and then they ran into Alabama. Rule time! Woo! Your neighbors. Your neighbors. They are, just moved. I, yeah! They just moved in. They just moved in this weekend. And you know but what? They did, they did have, they did the have a, very, tonight. a very good... Bumper sticker, your neighbors. What does it say? It's something about butt stuff. It's talking about butt stuff 2020. That's why I knew I liked your neighbors before I even met them. So if they come down here, we're going to have a good conversation about butt stuff. But Jesus. more importantly. What, what happened yeah, to this podcast? This yeah. Jake from Jake Fr- I wanted to know about this because I watched Saturday, unlike Drew. And the only thing I had heard from Mel Kuyper was he didn't have arm strength. There has, well, there, is that really the only thing that's holding him back or are there yes. other intangibles? No, and, and, and what I want to say is, yes, quarterbacks without arm strength can exist in the NFL. Many, and, and son of a fucking bitch, if somebody, one of you guys tell me that fucking Jake Fromm is fucking Drew Brees, I'm going to fucking lose my mind. I've already seen because it. Because you know what? I've already seen the corollaries made. you know what? That's not the quarterback that I'm going to say is the quarterback that you're going to convince me that a guy without a fucking arm is going to convince that's like this saying, is why you know we what? need cameras in studio. You know what? You know what it's like? You know what it's like? You know what it's like? How could you try to tell me that every... Don't you dare. A fifth round draft don't, pick is going to outplay Don't Drew Brees. you dare. Don't you dare try to make the, the, the argument that because he doesn't have an arm, he plays Drew Brees. Okay. Drew Brees is the best anticipatory thrower of... All time and no one's close. He has. There's a yes, reason he broke Dan Marino's record. Yes, Drew Brees, correct, does not have a strong arm. That does not mean every guy with a shitty arm you can compare to Drew Brees, you fucking peasants. And don't you dare do it again. Secondly, let me just say this before I lose my fucking mind: is if you try to. Patrick Mahomes, right? He's got a strong arm. So we just gonna uh, are we gonna equate every guy with a fucking w- p- wicked pissa of an arm? We're gonna say that he's Patrick Mahomes? No, you're not. So shut up. He is not Drew Brees. Okay, Drew Brees is a Super Bowl winning, MVP winning, Hall of Fame having, gold coat wearing, oh, jet flying. <laughs> Woo! Drew Brees is not. Every quarterback who can't throw a fucking out route. So stop. My point. Lamar Jackson can't throw an out route. My point about Jake Fromm is please do not utter Drew Brees' name with Jake Fromm. That's the first thing. Second thing. 
is Eric Turner and I of CoverOne.net are we are going to have a expectation setting film room session on CoverOne.net because I just want to point out to everybody when is this coming out? It's soon. All right. What, what I want to make sure everybody understands about Jake Brown is, it, it, how about this? Not about Jake Brown. I want everybody to understand the difficulties that quarterbacks without an NFL arm have making the league. One out of every ten quarterbacks who don't have average NFL arm strength will make it. That doesn't mean that the other nine don't get talked about. Like Matt Leiner, Nathan Peterman. Brady Quinn is my favorite fucking player of all time. And you you never hear me say that Brady Quinn is an NFL quarterback because he didn't have the arm strength. And if you don't have the arm strength, you need to be A++ in anticipation and accuracy. Jake Fromm does not have the footwork, the accuracy, the fundamentals of a quarterback who can overcome lack of NFL arm strength. And as much as I think he's a player that will likely have a similar career path to Matt Barkley. If you, the general manager of this football team, Brandon Bean, decide this year, which, by the way, I would put any amount of money that Matt Barkley remains on this roster this year and that Jake Fromm is your number three quarterback. He has to. I might put money that Davis Webb beats out Jake Fromm as your number three quarterback. I might do that. I might do that. And what a stupid bet that would be. What a dumb, terrible fucking bet that would be. Is if we sat here and I said, Nate, here I am. I will oh, drink no. two. <laughs> two. Two. I will drink two Seagrams if, if Jake Fromm beats out Davis Webb. Just happened like that. He I talked am. himself. And I didn't have to say a word. I, I, that's, you knew where this I, is the best I just. Yeah, I guess. Need. I guess what really makes me upset is that someone somewhere felt. I've watched Drew Brees for the last two decades. And you know what? I see this guy who can't throw an out route. I see very similar traits. And you know what the traits are? Nothing. Let me bring. Nothing. Let, let me bring you back down here. Let me let me preface this when you ask Bean about when the media asked Bean why the pick happened, because everyone was on fire, as very much you are. I mean, I swear to God, this is the reason, Chris, that we need to start running three camera, three camera, the way the Rogan Show does, because I needed that. Nobody wanted to see what I, I looked like during that. I needed all of that on tape. <laughs> so you nobody the, wanted to see that. Let's take a look at the people drafted immediately after from. Bradley and Nye, he might be the only name. He's a 3-4 outside linebacker prospect who wouldn't have been a fit here schematically or athletically. I agree. A running back named Kamal Martin, whose name I only committed to memory because it reminded me of the wrestler Kamala from the 90s. And I was like, oh, well, if he... The Ugandan giant. Yeah. I mean, for fuck's sake, the next names after him that I even remotely gave a shit about were Donovan Peoples-Jones. Only because no one on Bill's Twitter would shut up about that name in the run-up to the draft. And Blake Ferguson. And that's only because we're friends with his brother, Reed. And Chris grew up with the guy. Yeah. How do you think, how do you think Travis... <laughs> Chris, you grew you think, up as friends with two NFL football players. Yeah. How do you think Travis Wingfield interviewed uh, Blake on his podcast and knew to ask about the nickname Hype City? 
<laughs> I wonder. It wouldn't what, have been from anyone with a mohawk. No. So people need to calm down because here's the thing. From, to me, I'm not nearly as fired up as you are because I don't give a shit. From is an asset. What he is, is he's this. certainly an ass. No, I don't, I don't mean that. I, here's I, hope, what I hope he's not listening. I, here's I don't mean what it is. <laughs> Jake Fromm is an asset. You draft him in the fifth round. If at some point, God forbid, he ever has to see the field, or if Holy he de- shit, if he does, we're in, we're fucked. Or if he develops, and let's say his development catches the eye of other pro personnel people, pro scouting, and they say, "Hey, I know where you're going. We need a quarterback too, or God forbid, we need a quarterback one." And we think that Jake Fromm has progressed so much, and he has so much promise. He becomes a tradable asset. That fifth round. Look at what the Patriots did with Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett, I mean, Nate, post-draft, that's not a guy. You would have reacted the same way to... No, I wouldn't. Oh, okay. No, I wouldn't. Jacoby Brissett was not a quarterback that anybody liked coming out of the draft. With that said, he's an asset. And once he proves himself I agree that Jacoby Brissett is an asset. Yes, I agree with that. I would not agree that Jake Fromm will... He is not currently an asset. I understand. But if in the event that oh so here's what you get if he does improve, great you get to cut Matt Barkley and you get to save his salary. And now what you does ch- improve mean? Hang on, can you tell but, me what improve means? But if he doesn't prove out to be a reliable quarterback that you can trust to come in and win you a game when your quarterback gets knocked out by a safety, but you have a good defense and a strong offense in terms of a running game, if he can't come in and win you that game. Okay, then that's fine. You keep Matt Barkley. But maybe he shows enough that at some point in the future he's tradable, and if he's not, it's a fifth round pick. You were just talking about being able to cut a fourth round pick. So why are you so upset with the idea that this fifth round it's quarterback? Diff- it's different. It's Who different. gives a fuck? It's different because if you drafted a fifth, sixth, seventh round guy. You... What you drafted him for, the only thing I can think of is why you would draft him is Listen, because you want him SC- to take over for, for Matt Barber. But I've watched a lot of SEC football, and I've watched Jake Fromm have some games. Were you around during the both Notre Dame games? Yes. Okay. Did you watch him complete 20 throws for less than 160 yards? I did. Sure. Did you watch the Kentucky game? Yes. Where he could not complete a pass because it was wet. I see it. Okay. I understand all. Here's of, my problem. I understand. Small hands all of and your... no arm are. Listen, I both get of it. those in a vacuum I'm not shouldn't necessarily for... stop you. I agree with I you. I am not the rounder. guy who's here. You heard it from Brandon Bean's own lips when he was asked by the media, why did you draft Jake Fromm? And his response was because value. at that point, the value of a quarterback. Compared to everyone who was left on the board, it's not so much what has Jake Fromm done right. It's just what has everybody else done wrong that Jake Fromm stands out as he stands out as the tallest blade of grass. Any, and I and I really mean this. Any other quarterback? I would find it. Any other one. Well, I think that Jake guy, Fromm was on route to not be drafted. But the guy can, from, I, can I tell you okay, that? But the guy from FIU who they've scouted. James Morgan. He was gone. 
He was. So they took. So why take a quarterback? So they rolled the dice on a quarterback because they didn't like anybody else. There. How about this? Can I? I can I, I will tell, tell you, you. I will tell you that I would have been good with any other quarterback in this draft. And the only reason this it comes down to one. Welcome. Point. You didn't declare for the draft. We're talking about a fifth I'm round retired. pick, and I'm literally <laughs> going to take my shirt off. But here. listen, the reason that I feel so strongly about it is because I don't believe he belongs in the league. I love how fired up you get about this stuff when it comes to quarterback. It's because it's what I care about. It's what I know okay. that I can talk about. You just made a secrets bet. Can we make another one? Yeah, sure. If Jake Fromm throws an NFL touchdown pass, you have to drink a six-pack of Seagram's. Again, we're going six-pack? Six-pack. Because you're so hell-bent on him not deal. making the league. All right. Fucking deal. There we go. We got Dude, we have you, you on the hook for now. Now you you're like 18 Son deep. of a bitch. Yeah, you're on the hook for 14 right so, now. So let's move on to round six because this is where it got interesting for me because I had to drink a fucking Seagram's because I did not see this coming. A kicker named Tyler Bass. Now, this might actually be one of the most impactful picks to come out of this draft, besides Moss. I just next saw, year, next year in a vacuum. I just saw his uh, video. Somebody posted a video on Twitter. He like no steps, banging one from fifty, and then took one step. Back. That guy has a fucking yeah. He's he's got he's a hung. fucking leg. There's he's something hung. about having it down to a science. Like, Burt Kreischer was talking about it. He was talking about how he's friends with Pat McAfee. Comedian Burt Kreischer, for those of you who live under a rock. He's talking about Pat McAfee, former NFL punter. And he was talking about, how, hey, I'm, I'm just as big as you. I'm just as physical. And he goes, no, but it's, it's the violence of the motion that you have. He goes, NFL punters and kickers have a violence to the way that they operate. And Stephen Hauschka sort of just... just He's like me with a seven iron. My thing with my thing with our kickers is like when have we ever drafted a kicker and never like, he's been the guy because it's been Dan Carpenter, somebody else's garbage. Garpenter. Ryan R- Ryan Lindell, yeah. somebody else's Not garbage. Someone else's garbage. We've had that for like the last fifteen years. Now here's what I love about Jake Bass, Tyler Bass. Tyler Bass? It's T-Bass. 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 Oh, my C-Bass. God. Can we... No, no. Is T-Bass the name now? T-Bass. Kick T-Bass. his ass, T-Bass. Kick his ass. T-Bass. Show, throw the salt shaker over your left shoulder. <laughs> T-Bass. He's a kicker. And Who he's... one-step 60 yarders. And he's not rocking any sort of anti-Semitic tattoos. Big win. <laughs> Huge win for the Buffalo Bills. Big win for the Jews. Huge lose for the New England Patriots. Big win for the Jew fans that happen to be Bills fans. <laughs> He's solid statistically. Finishes his career at Georgia Southern 93% from 35 to 50 yards. Should we make another secret bet right now that he's going to make the team over Steven Hoshka? Well, here's my question to you. I'm going to read this back. In 2019, he only allowed nine kick returns. And he had a monster week at the Senior Bowl. Now, the reason that's important, Brandon Bean, his his selections as a GM from the Senior Bowl, his very first draft, Josh Allen, Harrison Phillips, and Wyatt Teller, that's three, from the Senior Bowl. Year two, he takes Jaquan Johnson and Tommy Sweeney, both team, both players that he saw and met with at the Senior Bowl. This year, Tyler Bass, cornerback Dane Jackson. 
He's taken multiple players from the Senior Bowl every single year. So let that be a lesson to any prospect out there that wants to come play in the red, white, and blue. Do well at the Senior Bowl. He's apparently ranked first or second by a number of different draft outlets as far as kickers go. The pros, big leg, kick power, proven accuracy within range. The cons is that apparently he's had trouble kicking in inclement weather. Which wait, 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 wait. makes I, me... I have a quick question for you guys. Yeah. Yep. Waiting. I got, this, I got this weird thing. I'd like, I'd like, some, I'd like some talk about it. Uh, I Googled something. I said I Googled Stephen Hauschka's contract because I was looking for his dead money. And Google Rewards is trying to give you the f- – you've made the five billionth search. I think this is spam, right? Like this 100%. Is- oh, my God. Hey, folks, hang on. Let me take a picture of it. Miles. Chris, take a screen. Take, I can't, I can't reach my moment. Chris, take a picture of this. We need to hold this for posterity says in case be- he gets hacked and then tricked the into a crime. You've made the five billionth search Man, on listen, Google. Chris, take a picture of this for posterity with his face next to it so that we know that when he gets inevitably tricked into committing crime by a group of hackers. Playing a lucky user it, to receive a reward yeah, and reset yeah. the contract. See that there? Scroll up. Show it. This is a lovely site. The rewards are nice. And it's one of the testimonials. Go back. Go back up to the top. I want a picture of you next to it so that after you accept this, yeah, we, we all it. know, and every one of our listeners tonight knows, that you were tricked into committing armed robbery. You were blackmailed into a Here's the problem. Is they, they're saying things I believe. It says, <laughs> you've made the five billionth search. Congratulations. You are today's lucky user. Our last reward given was to Brad Jenkins from Rochester, who received a Samsung KU six one nine KU six one seven nine Ultra HD TV. Um, I don't need TVs. I'm fine. No. <laughs> Every time the five billionth search is reached, we proclaim a lucky user. Can you please look this up? No, nope, not can doing somebody, it. Can somebody please look it up? Not please doing it. To see if it's bullshit. Listen, I'll look you're it gonna up. get. You, listen, you're gonna behind get, every blue cup is a get, prize. You're gonna get black. Click the and, prize <laughs> cup to uncover it. For technical reasons, we are not allowed to keep your invitation open for more than 15 minutes. Choose one of the prizes oh, below so and follow incentive. the instructions on the screen. Pretty soon, folks. Please look it up. Those of you listening to this podcast, Nate Gear is gonna. This end is up kid- weird. He's gonna end up kidnapped. Here's Either the problem: is I've had five moosehead. And I don't know whether it's real. <laughs> He's going to end up kidnapped or blackmailed into committing a crime. Yeah, but for what you Can were looking for, so a million and a half a dead cap. A million and a half dead cap for Stephen Hauschka. So with that said. T-Bass. Exactly. T-Bass. So with that said, though, here's my question to you. Can you really look this up, though? Yeah. Well, you, if, if it's real, Chris- I want to accept my prize. If it's not, <laughs> I'll, I'll Google it. I'll Google it. Just, I'll, I'll Google it go, while you Google. Do, Google hey, listen, Google while Jamie, rewards five well, billionth search. Well, see, my, see what comes out. While Jamie does his research, let's talk. I like it. Given that he's been touted for his power, his reported accuracy, how much of a threat is this kid to Hauschka when you think about it in these terms? There is not there isn't gonna be a full off season or a training camp. Malware. Phone screwed. <laughs> Throw it out. <laughs> Fuck! I was really hoping I could I could win a Samsung TV. How did this How did this pop up though? Is my question. 
watch it's called on spam. Your phone, dog. Yeah. Even okay. Here's the thing. Bass could pose a significant challenge, I think, if he was given a full offseason to do so. But if you're an NFL coach, do you take a kid who's never kicked in a quote-unquote major college game? I mean, he's Georgia Southern. He's never had any real pressure. Chris, there's been no college football championship, no conference championship on line. He's kicked in some pressure situations, but he's never kicked in the big one. And all of a sudden, you're going to throw him under the lights on Monday Night Football Yes. To sink a 49-yarder for the win in Foxborough. Yes. Sign me up. You would take him over yeah. Stephen Hauschka. Geary, you your should. take on the experience. Because here's what I'll say. You should, If he's on our team, you should have to drink his Seagram's here's if he hits what I'll 49 say. or longer. Here's what I'll say. We've drafted two other kickers. As a franchise Hopkins. who didn't make the roster. Who Josh, is now a good kicker in the league, by the Justin way. Potter and Dustin, Dustin Hopkins, Hopkins, who didn't survive with the team, which illustrates how hard it is for rookies to beat out veterans, even when you have a full offseason to train with the team, get to know your long snapper, get to understand what kicking in the NFL is with that level of pressure. I mean, fuck. Vinatieri is still a starting kicker at 47 years old, Chris. No one could beat that man out for a job. So with that said, how comfortable is everyone else here at the table with just turning the keys over to this kid, regardless of how strong his leg is? Me. It's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. In round six, we took wide receiver Isaiah Hodgins. Now this is a guy who... You've heard Nate say over and over again, should have been drafted earlier. The thing about him is this. When you break down the tape on him, which, listen, I'm not going to say I'm a film analyst. That's that, Chris, No, that's ridiculous. Ridiculous. You're not a film analyst. No. But so I've gone back and I've looked into his background. I've watched a lot of the good and bad that exists out there on between YouTube and different scouting websites and things like that. He's a big framed wide receiver, but he's slow. He can't fight off press coverage because he's got less than adequate body, lower body strength. Which, who does that remind you of, Chris? Oh, well, I don't know. James Hardy. How did that turn out? He's dead. Jesus Christ. According to Joe Marino of the Lockdown Bills and the Draft Network, this comes directly from his film analysis of Isaiah Hodgins. He's a true technician as a route runner. His routes are surprisingly refined for a guy as lanky as he is but he's painfully slow getting release off the line, which will limit his availability to show off the other talents that he has at the NFL level. He was seventh in all of college football with 13 touchdowns last season. His size and hands, Chris, even if he can't get off the line and get down the field, he's a red zone weapon because he's six foot four. He's six foot four, two hundred and three pounds, and he has a massive catch radius and hands that don't miss. His inclusion on this roster seems almost like a knock. Chris, a couple weeks ago, we talked about, or last week, we talked about the wide receiver group and how they 
They only ran four wide wide receivers. Once six twice? Six times all season. And they only ran five wide receivers once. It's because they didn't have depth at the wide receiver position that they trusted to just go have them have a multifaceted attack and that they had enough guys who could go out there and make a play. This kid sounds like he's a play waiting to happen. He's not going to beat anyone deep downfield. And if he's facing up against a premier corner, even a top two, you know, a cornerback two in the NFL, he's going to have a hard time. But as a chess piece, as part of a wide receiver group, he sounds like he could be a weapon for it. Nate Hodges, is he really that multifaceted? And is his catching ability that is he an upgrade from Duke? Is he an upgrade from Duke? Do you know who he reminds me of? Who? Last year's draft. The the drop. Oh. Drafted by Arizona. Oh, Hakeem Butler. Hakeem Butler. Yes. Hodges is Hakeem, Hakeem Butler. To me. A player that everyone was really upset that kept dropping. Um, but landed in a situation I think he might, he might be worth something. I like Hodges a lot because I think, again... He's your competition to Duke Williams, and at the very least, he brings the best out of Duke Williams, or he takes over for Duke Williams. It'll be interesting to see how that goes. Here's what I like. He's touted as a red zone threat, and given the fact that he has no get-off when it comes to the line of scrimmage, but the fact that he does every other part of the wide receiver job so well. The only question I'd ask you, Nate, do you think he could steal some snaps from our tight ends in the red zone this season? Here's why I ask. Knox doesn't have the most adept hands or anticipation in the NFL. Croft? I think we've established that he he has a loosely defined, at best, role on this roster. And I would rather see us throwing to Deion Dawkins again than Lee Smith. Does Hodgins have an ability there to steal some snaps? Is there a value to playing a guy with his skill set in the red zone? Yeah, do we still run? About it. Josh Allen has more red zone rushing touchdowns than he does passing touchdowns. Yeah. Are we going to run fade routes in the red zone? No. Um, here's the crazy thing is I actually, I, I very much agree with Brandon Bean's assessment of who is the type of player that will win with Josh Allen. I agree with his assessment, and I, I am happy that a general manager took a 180 on, on what he believes his quarterback is going to succeed with. He took a 180 from Andre Holmes and Calvin Benjamin yep. to John Brown and Cole Beasley, to guys that get open. Cole Beasley, to me, is the guy that you want. More Cole Beasleys. So do I believe Isaiah Hodgins is a guy that they're just all of a sudden going to become a team that throws jump balls? No, I don't believe that that's what they're going to be. Um, do they want a guy that can go up and get it in one-on-one battles? Sure. But do I think that Josh Allen is going to all of a sudden throw up a ton of 50-50 balls because they got Isaiah Hodgins or because they feel like they've got <laughs> no. Duke No. We know how Duke Williams is winning. Duke Williams is winning as a number one receiver, by the way. It wasn't Duke Williams in that Houston game. Duke Williams before when he flashed. Tennessee. He wasn't flashing by making contested one-on-one catches. He was acting as the team's number one receiver, a guy that does everything. So now that they have that, and Stephon Diggs, like, 
I don't know that they're going to look for specialized players who can go do certain things. They have such a wholesome, such a complete wide receiver room. I think the interesting thing that I, I, I heard this from a previous um, NFL coach. This came from um, who's the who's the who is Bill O'Brien? No, who's the Bills quarterbacks coach? Oh, Ken Dorsey. Ken Dorsey. This came from Ken Dorsey. Is that in their opinion, in terms of like the kind of guys they want to win around, is NFL wide receivers. You don't. You you want to have a lot of guys that do different things. I think they've got three guys. Their top three guys do similar things. Well, they get open, and they get open by creating separation of lines from the guy running unbelievably good, precise, nuanced routes. Isaiah Hodgins is not going to run past you. He's not going to run a nuanced slash like really high-quality route. He's going to win by taking the ball away from you. And isn't that what Gabe Davis is? So I, I think they're very similar in that one of them makes the team. Even though, I, even though I, both of us agreed that Hodgins was here to take Duke Williams' job, and that Gabe Davis was here to take Robert Robert Foster's job. There may only be room for one of those guys on the roster. Final question. <clears throat> I shouldn't say final question. Dane Jackson, seventh round cornerback out of Pitt, another guy, senior bowl, drafted by the Buffalo Bills. Why should I give a shit about this pick? Um uh, I, I don't think <laughs> you got nothing. I don't think you should. How about this though? Um, it's a position where he is a they did the lot of experience in college at Pitt. A lot of experience, Dane Jackson, okay? Mm -hmm. um, comes with a lot of high regard from his college car, college coach, Pat Narduzzi. Thirdly, a position that I think they do secretly need and one that I really wanted to see Bryce Hall at some fucking point during this draft go to the Bills. I saw that the he goes to the Jets, <laughs> of course. And by the way, uh, I would like to add another secret respect. Oh boy! All right, let's do this. Bryce, Come on now. Bryce Hall is either cornerback one or two for the New York Jets. Wow! Opening day. Man, Chris, are you keeping track of this? I will go write these down. You'll <laughs> have to go back and listen for all the times that I've dropped it. But I will say Bryce Hall was a really, really good pick. If you told me they took Bryce Hall in the second or the fifth, I would tell you that the second would have been fine for Bryce Hall. Um, this is this is Virginia's corner, Bryce Hall. The only reason that he dropped where he did was a gruesome ankle injury that he sustained after the sixth game of the season. Otherwise, he was a player that came back to Virginia for a senior season because he was expecting to increase his draft value instead, how could you as a draft prospect know that you were going to be dealing with COVID-19 where teams literally could not bring you in and have their doctors look at you? That's, That's why Bryce, fall, Bryce Hall fell. So for me, the New York Jets got an absolute steal, and maybe the best steal of the draft. I think he'll be one of their top corners coming in this year. Fuck them and fuck that guy. Well, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Drew's, Drew's clearly... I've had enough. He's clearly a, a fifth deep into Buffalo Trace. No, what it is is I'm just sick and tired of hearing about how well everyone else did. Chris, Especially the division opponents. Fuck no, them. I mean, here's the thing. We... I, 
mean, I guess maybe. I mean, let's talk about how we think the Bills did as a whole. We just ran through everything. Chris, your thoughts on the Bills draft class as it stands. I mean, I was fine with it. There's like, Of course you are. There's nothing to... to I don't you wax there's... your hair. Yeah. I don't think there's anything to hate about it. I mean, like what Nate had said earlier, we weren't coming in this draft with like a defying need. It just so happens that AJ fell to us at 54, <laughs> so value. Oh, I I, I'm I'm all fine with with how we how how we drafted, even with Jake Fromm. I was gonna say I thought you were talking about Jake Fromm and his mom falling to us. <laughs> Nate, you've made it clear that you think that this draft was just kind of taking based on value, based on value, based on need. Here's what I'll say. If you allow yourself to forget that Stephon Diggs is on the roster in lieu of our first pick, then at first glance, a lot of you probably had the same experience I did, in which you weren't super enthusiastic about this class as a whole. And I can get that. I mean, there weren't any sexy picks in this draft. The Bryce Halls of the world, as Nate kind of underlined for us. We were told for over a year about all the tantalizing talents that were going to be in the top of this draft class. And the two of the Bills selected are, I don't want to say relative unknowns, but they were guys that didn't seem to, I mean, Moss fit where we drafted him for value. Epinensa, you almost feel like you got shortchanged if you went looking for a, for a defensive end. They didn't do much to address the trenches on the offensive side of the ball. Another facet of this draft that was touted to be rife with talent. Chris, they drafted two wide receivers, but they missed both all of the quote-unquote big names. And that upset a lot of people. You add those two narratives to the fact that they drafted a project quarterback and a kicker. I can imagine that there's a lot of people out there who are looking at this draft and are wildly unimpressed. Or wondering if Brandon Bean's balls are chafed from the dragging that he brought over everyone. I guess is the real question. And so this is the thing. I understand where those fans would be coming from. Oh, do you? I could relate. I can relate to people who want to burn down the city of Buffalo over this draft. With that said, we need to take a step back. Realize. I mean, for fans who thought, like me, on Friday night, disappointed that they felt like the team had to come out of this thing with a number of big-name, highly-touted, high-impact players. First of all, they just drafted their first player of the draft at pick 54. The last time we had to wait that long was 2005, and that was Roscoe Parrish. And before that, it was 1989. When, when the Bills had to wait till the third round to take Don Beebe. We as fans aren't accustomed to drafting this far back because our team hasn't been successful. When you're a consistently successful franchise, you're going to end up drafting later, which means that a lot of the names that you hear thrown around, a lot of the guys that people in the draft community get you excited about, they're going to be gone before you ever get a sniff at them. Even for an aggressive GM like Brandon B. Or, how about this? Or, you see a lot of names that become the darlings of all the media outlets you hear. Denzel Thank Mims. You. How about Denzel Mims for the last three and a half months? 
being talked about as wide receiver four. Yeah. How about it? Clearly, NFL teams did not value Denzel Mims, the offense he was running in, and the routes he was asked to run in college, is that all of us draft geeks felt way higher about Denzel Mims yep. than actual NFL <clears throat> teams did. And I think that's, that is something that I think makes the draft so cool and so interesting is that you will talk to people who you were like, you know what, that's a guy I trust, I believe, he does the homework. If he tells me Denzel Mims is a first-round wide receiver, I'll believe that guy. And that's what we do. Yeah. Because I'm not smart when it comes to this stuff, which is why, Chris, we talk about it. We turn it over to people who yeah, study get this stuff. On. With that said, okay, it, this is a thing that Bills fans, if this rebuild goes as planned, you're going to have to get used to this. You can't riot every time your draft doesn't include some of the sexy names that you're used to hearing in the headlines because we're never going to be in a position to take them. If your rebuild goes as planned. From a roster standpoint, Chris, I took a look back after the draft over our last two months of draft preview series notes. The team already has starters entrenched at almost every major position on the roster. Offensive line, wide receiver, defensive tackle is flooded with talent. There was no way they were taking a D-tackle. Cornerback, safety, quarterback. The team has experienced depth at most positions. Enough that it would be hard for a rookie to beat one of them out. I mean, think about it. We were just talking about the kicker position. Chris, how many offensive linemen as rookies are coming in here and beating out what the Bills have in terms of starters and depth? They're not. If you don't take them in the first round, they're probably not making this roster. Or they're not starting. Exactly. So then what's the value of having them here? Depth. Okay. If you go to ourlads.com and look at the Bills depth chart, you're going to see that every single one of our rookies, other than Epinesa, is two to three names down on the depth chart. And even he's listed as a backup, which is exactly where he should be. Chris, this draft class is exactly what Bills fans have been screaming for, right? We wanted a winning football team. This is what comes along with it. Okay? This class doesn't feature a lot of household names, especially among the fans that agonize over this entire draft process or at least had an idea of what it had to be, quote-unquote. I mean, Nate, you're part of this crowd. I am. Did you have an expectation of what this draft had to be in order for the Bills to be successful? No, that's why I think it was the most interesting part of this draft, is there didn't need to be anything from this draft. I didn't need a position in particular. I didn't need a player in particular. I needed the general manager to tell us, this is why we took this player. And it's because, A... We did our homework, and we know what he's capable of doing, and we know that he'll fit in our scheme. And B, like this is this is this is why you brought us here. To your point earlier, when you were ranting and raving about Jordan Phillips and uh, Shaq Lawson, you just watched a GM go, "Hey, I'll let these two assets go, and I'm going to draft a guy who might fill both roles." Literally both roles, yeah. Literally both roles, and I won't have to pay him dick. He's building a team, and he's doing it while being mindful of the cap. So if it seems foreign to Bills fans to not 
swing for the fences for sexy picks, it's because we have a GM who's building our team the way a winner would build a team. Because he's a guy who's been around an organization that's had how many playoff appearances, how many playoff wins, a Super Bowl appearance under its belt. Look at it for what it is. Fans should feel good about where this roster is at developmentally. The fact that some of these rookies, to your point, Nate, will not make this roster. That's, a lot of them won't. Yeah. That's how well built. Chris, we were talking about it before we started recording. The Bills are ranked in the top 12. in Consensus top 12, in some cases top 10. Yeah, power rankings. Just based on what our roster looks like. That's a GM who knows how to cultivate talent. Cultivation is a really interesting term when you talk about Brandon Bean. I'm not really, fat. I'm cultivating mass. That's right, cultivating mass. <laughs> Here's the thing about Brandon Bean is it's very clear that Brandon Bean's the first general manager in a very long time. John Butler. That came up with a plan, knew the type of players he wanted and why they wanted him. And it's the first. It, there is no, and to me, there's no coincidence that it's the first roster in a very long time that the competence oozes out. That the, that the roster that has been created says more about the general manager than the general manager says about his roster. Yep. It's the very first time where you're like, the roster represents the general manager, whereas the the general manager says, "Tell me why the roster is why it is." Mm-hmm. And part of that's to do continuity. This is his. Legitimately, his third year is fourth in, in all reality. Um, that he gets to say, like, this is why we built it this way because it works. Mm-hmm. Very, I mean, when was the last time a general manager could tell a look a Bills fan in the face and say, hey, the reason I did this, you have no, you, you, you can't question me because everything I fucking do works. <laughs> Very rarely does that happen. We have a bit for him now. He's the contractual gangster. He can negotiate on the free agent side. He's drafted well. I mean, Chris, think about it. The people who work in our front office have gotten us to where we are. Chris, they've broken the drought. They've not only broken the drought, but now in twice in three years, we've been playoff contenders under under Brandon Bean. And his front office. Who am I to question that? And also, for those of you out there, my reactions to our players, my like or dislike, listen, me being lukewarm on a player, I'm the mush of NFL. For anyone anyone who's ever seen a Bronx Tale, I am the mush when it comes to NFL draft picks. Bronx Tale, this late in the night. So me being lukewarm on a pick... That could be the best thing for us. Ultimately, this draft, I won't call it a home run. What I'll call it is what we needed. I like it. The double end of the gap. That's it. It's a double end of the gap. It's not a home run, but it's a hit that you remember later on in the game. With that said, Mr. Geary, tell people where they can find you on social media. You can find me at Matt Walden. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I am at Nate Geary, WGR. Um I just put out a piece this week uh, talking a little bit about A.J. Epinesa, but more importantly, the versatility of the defensive line. Um, so if you wanted to go back, uh, um you can search me in the search bar, uh, Nate Geary, G-E-A-R-Y. You can check out some of the work that I've done up at the website. 
Um, or you can uh, stay tuned because Eric Turner and myself both have a, uh, a film session coming out for Jake Fromm. So really looking forward to, uh, to discussing Fromm, but more importantly, giving real-time examples of why um, we may have the opinions we have, um, which is always really – how about this, though? Yours are um, strong. Very rarely do you get to hear a person with an opinion tell you why and then show you. Yep. That's why I love what we do. Um, we can tell you, hey, we don't like this guy. Let me show you why I don't. And very rarely do you get that amongst people in the football community or sports community. Is you just take their word for it. They don't like them. Listen to them. Um, Eric and I really try to bridge the gap of saying, hey, we don't like this guy, but let me show you. Or we really, really love this guy. And maybe other people don't. Let me show you. Chris why. and I did that after we got ratioed to hell on Twitter. And guess what? Chris, now we're 10 followers up from where we started pre-draft. Pretty cool. All of the hate. And guess what? You can't overcome good content and good explanation. Exactly. It's a great point. Yeah. And now next point. week, we're going to review the division as a whole because we've got to know what our competition's up to. So, uh, Nate, is there a better guess that we could have booked than Mark Schofield? No. Um, <laughs> Schofield will be here next week there to is discuss. no one better. Um... If you could, will you guys ask him a quick question for me? Yes. Sure. What is it? How's it feel? <laughs> ask him. Just broadly. I'm going to play the song, How Does, how does it, feel? it Feel? Actually, I'd, I'd really prefer you you encapsulate. Are you ready, producer? Yeah. What I'll do is I'll actually cut this out and, and I'll it, drop it. That's right. No, I, I appreciate it. Right before you guys ask him a question, if this could be the first one. Sure. Yes. And let's, let's isolate this and let's... Give me a second here. Ready? Hey, Mark. Nate Geary. Friend. Colleague. Almost relative. How's it feel, idiot? How's it feel? How's it feel, idiot? <laughs> you look like Dwight Schrute. Again, this is why we need... The Chris, we're going three camera. We're doing this. It's going to happen. Holy shit, that was funny. Mark Schofield's going to Please play on, that to him. He's gonna, oh, we will. He's going to come on the show next week. He's going to help us break down the draft around the AFC you, East and the AFC as a whole, including the many swings taken by Miami, the questionable tactics laid out by New England. I mean, Chris, we're going to handicap the divisional race post-draft. It's going to be the best and worst from around the conference, and everyone should tune in for it. Guys, it's been a... It's been an honor to continue doing this for five years for you guys. And I promise you, have no signs of stopping anytime soon. Chris, the best producer in the game, you've made all of this possible. I appreciate the hell out of you. Nate, you are always our, you're one of the best conversations to have post draft. Other than Matt Waldman. Yes. Listen, Matt Waldman, I mean, that guy's I, I will not, yeah. And folks, thank you for showing up each and every week through all of this nonsense. We're far from done here. With that said, we'll see you next week. I'm Drew Gear. that's Chris Krueger, that's Nate Geary, and this has been the Rock Pile Report. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. 
At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.